For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. That's when you thought them, there was perhaps very little more to add to the Ironman story out of y'all on Sunday, particularly the sea swim. Along comes Triathlon Ireland to add more to the story. Apparently, they had officials uh, in, in y'all on Sunday morning observing the conditions, uh, the adverse conditions, as they describe them. And they say that they told Ironman and the event that uh, Triathlon Ireland could not sanction the race after carrying out a water safety assessment. Now, two men died in separate incidents during the swim portion of the event. And I'm reading from the front page of this morning's Echo. Um, it's picked up by all of the red tops and all of the broadsheets. Ironman go ahead, not given. Triathlon Ireland said no to the race. It went ahead despite their advice. Now, I'll have some more on this in a few minutes' time with uh, Ralph Regal from the Irish Independent, who also covers it in quite some detail in the Indo today. And Mooney and the Sun says Triathlon Ireland's CEO Darren Coombs said that the body's technical officers confirmed to the race organisers that it wasn't possible to sanction the race due to the adverse conditions. Now, Brendan Wall, age 45, originally from County Meath, and Ivan Chittenden from Toronto, both drowned uh, during the swim stage in the stormy, stormy seas off Claycastle. And uh, Triathlon Ireland said, in our almost 40-year history, the sport in Ireland has an impeccable safety record, I suppose by virtue of the fact that they follow the advice and the regulations given. Now, Ironman's race failed the safety check. All of the papers talk of it. They refused to sanction it over the bad weather. And one of the competitors who lost his life, uh, Brendan Wall, had recently announced his engagement. And that's a story that's picked up by the Mirror this morning where they say Mr. Wall was recently engaged and had only recently told his pals of his proposal to his partner on social media. Uh, he was celebrating, of course, uh, his engagement and a long and happy life ahead with the woman that he loves. But unfortunately, life cut short. Not just him, of course, but the Canadian Ivan Chittenden as well. Um, so the fatal swim was not sanctioned. Um, they warned the organisers that due to the weather conditions, they couldn't approve it. As to whether or not they had actually any official skin in the game or the race or the swim, I don't know. Uh, and I mean, it, it's one thing for Triathlon Ireland to say, we cannot sanction the event. But Triathlon Ireland, I believe, at the same time, cannot stop the event. Mind you, that's just like me yesterday morning. I spoke to quite an amount of competitors on the air. The papers also do this morning. The males quoting one competitor saying, nobody should have been in the water. The event should have been called off. Um, and they go into quite some detail. A lot of it is quite upsetting, actually. Some of the swimmers who actually came across um, the removal of, uh, the, one of the one of the bodies of the men who lost their lives been taken from the water. Now, post-mortem examinations were conducted on both men, according to Ralph Regal in the end of today at Cork University Hospital yesterday. Files uh, were will be prepared for the Cork coroner's inquest, but the Gardaí have confirmed that the deaths are not being treated uh, in any other way except as a tragedy. Now, youths, uh, sorry, locals in Yall have also begun to question whether the sea swim should have gone ahead, given the conditions, uh, and whether in the wake of the tragedy on Sunday morning, that the entire event should have been suspended. Um, and, of course, they were some of the talking points on this radio programme yesterday. So more on that in a, in a few minutes' time. The Echo and his court reports, there's always a very, you know, it's amazing the court reports, there's always something new in there, or a new twist on a story. Or see a very interesting one of a man 
This guy's been charged following uh, guards seized 4.2 million euro worth of cocaine in, in Cork by all accounts. And the guy who was before the courts, a fellow called Genchan Dodjaj, um, living in Westmeath, but the court was told originally from Albania. He wants to be let out on bail so he can set up a family business to support his family. Because I think he's pretty much saying it's inevitable that he's going to be going to jail. So he says, if you let me out on bail, I one million percent promise to turn up in court next uh, for the next hearing on the drugs charge. If you just let me out to help me set up the business. It's been in Ireland 17 years. It's a story in the Echo Court reports this morning from Liz Dunphy. He said that he was being paid between 4000 and 6000 to transport the cocaine. It's some amount, though, isn't it? $4.2 million. And I think inevitably it probably will result in a custodial sentence. Uh, mind you, um, the prison's full. <clears throat> Remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking on air as to what should happen with the old prison and there was talk that maybe it could be used to um, put in some kind of social housing. Well, the prison service have said, they've knocked that one on the head, they've said they're going to hold on to the old prison uh, for by virtue of the fact that prison numbers keep on rising and I suppose it could be of strategic interest to them in the future if they ever need to use it as a second prison uh, on Leaside. Um, some would say jail them, jail them, jail people who break the law seriously, jail them. Uh, but others are saying, well, you know, prison is full, you're going to start filling a second one and, you know, criminality is only getting worse. So why is uh, prison maybe the only option? Um, in the other world that we live in, of course, those who obey the law and pay their taxes and go out to work in the morning and try and save a few bob. Michael McGrath, the finance minister, um, he's coming out, and I, I like this about him, but I think he could come out maybe with the gloves off against the banks. He's putting pressure on the banks now to raise their deposit rates for savers. Um, and he's saying that he expects that they will start increasing um, rates paid to depositors. Certainly, they could start with the state-backed savings schemes, right? There's no point going after the other banks when the state-backed savings schemes are appalling as well. You'd be lucky to get 2%. But he's suggesting that as time goes on, maybe in the coming weeks, we could have um, uh, higher ones. Now, figures already show that the Irish banks have passed on uh, to Irish savers the 7% uh, of the recent ECB rate rises. Um, so would it be fair to say that deposit rates should be anywhere between 5 and 7% as well? I, I would think so, considering the bank's profits. But will the banks obl- oblige? <coughs> we'll have to wait and see. Pardon me, I've had a lot of trouble with the old throat over the last couple of days. Hold on there. Other stuff making the papers today. Talk of uh, Ryan Tuberty in quite some detail. Apparently, seems there's an offer coming in from the UK, from GB News. They've been in touch, and apparently they're saying they got in touch with him the day after he was dumped by RTE, and that's a front page in the Sun today. Tubbs gets UK TV offer. Um, very interesting that people have already been offering him positions, and I like the papers this morning because they talk about issues involving uh, whether or not um, you know the world we live in now has got too uh, wokey or too snowflakey. One story that hasn't gone away is the story of Snow White. They are now calling. Um, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the silliest of them all? The actress Rachel Zegler. I'll come back to this because I didn't get to read many of the texts that I had on it over the last week or so, but this story just continues to run. The changing of the storylines, particularly of the fairy tales, and very much in the sights 
of those who are saying the world's gone mad is the changes uh, to Snow White. Incidentally, talking about other changes, I loved the statement from the NCT. They say, we're saying goodbye to cash. We're going cashless for your safety and convenience. Oh, really? Thank you so much. I didn't know that by taking cash away. I'd be safer and I'd find it more convenient. I was in the local Maxall the other day getting petrol and newspapers and all sorts of things. Took out the card to tap and they said, oh, terribly sorry, all the terminals are down. It's cash only. I mean, think about it. What would we actually do if there was no cash? There'd be chaos. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Gork's Red FM. And indeed with news that the NCT is going cashless for your convenience and safety. Thank you so much for that. We did put a poll up last night saying, will you pay your next NCT, NCT with a debit card or credit card? And apparently on Lee's side anyway, 66% of people said, no, I won't. Which means that 66% of people will continue to offer cash at NCT locations. wonder how that will go down with regards to the testing of your car. I don't know what it is, man. It just seems to be insane, the eradication of cash. When you have situations then where terminals go down, I mean, what would the petrol station have done if somebody had filled up with 100 euro worth of diesel or 100 euro worth of unleaded or what have you, walked into the petrol station and only had a debit card? What would you do then? Take name and address and phone number and hope they'd come back later and pay? But anyway, listen, um, uh, an interesting text on this. The man that you had on yesterday morning who said that what happened in Yaw wasn't the organiser's fault. Well, seeing as Triathlon Ireland wouldn't sanction the swim part of the uh, go-ahead uh, due to the adverse conditions, but the organisers still went ahead with it, makes the organisers totally to blame, in my opinion. What were they thinking, says a texter this morning. Now, this story has not gone away. It probably would have um, much sooner. And I'm acknowledging that there were two deaths there, two tragedies. Uh, but all of a sudden, Triathlon Ireland came out and said, well, you know, we had officials there, we had professionals there observing, and we spoke to the Ironman officials and told them we could not sanction the event because of the adverse weather conditions. Ralph Regal joins me uh, from the Irish Independent. Ralph, good morning. Good morning, Neil. What, I, what, I, what I'd love to know, and what people would love to know is, this was advice given by Triathlon Ireland. Um, they couldn't instruct anything that it shouldn't go ahead. It was just advice, was it? Yeah, that's what everyone wants to know at this point, is that what are the precise regulations and rules and laws governing events like this if a governing body advises against this proceeding? And just, I suppose, for your listeners to explain what happened was, and it really was a bombshell last night, at about 8.30, there was a statement released by Triathlon Ireland and Darren Coombs, the chief executive of Triathlon Ireland, basically said that they they were devastated. They were left reeling by the death of these two competitors. They said that they're the governing body. Uh, they're responsible for all um, uh, you know, private and commercial events of this type that take place in Ireland. They had gone to uh, Yall to rule on the event or to assess it. And because of the critical line is that they said that because of the adverse um, conditions, they would not sanction the event. Now, the event obviously went ahead. The organisers themselves have tacitly acknowledged the adverse conditions because they shortened the swim element of the, the Ironman from the the original 3.8 kilometres down to 1.9 kilometres. Mm-hmm. And in the statement released last night, Ironman Cork said that they take safety as their priority. They take safety very seriously. 
they explained the reasons why they had shortened the um, the course, that they had safety uh, personnel on the water um, in boats, kayaks, whatever, to offer whatever assistance they could to the swimmers. But the reality is that, I mean, anyone, you know, all your listeners, anyone who saw the footage of the conditions in which the swimmers were entering the water, it was extremely challenging conditions. And the reality is that within that 1.9 kilometre course, two men lost their lives. I saw some video footage last evening that was sent to me by somebody who was filming. Uh, I think it was a Facebook Live. I think he may have been very much involved in sport himself and he was explaining it. And then slowly but surely the commentary was changing because things started to go wrong. But from the from the wall, the key, from the actual beach, people were following one particular individual who was waving for help and struggling. And people who were spectators were shouting and shouting at the kayaks of the canoes to come to the aid of the swimmer. But unfortunately, in the footage that I saw, about seven or eight minutes of it, nobody heard the intervention of the spectators. So we were lucky, really, that there weren't more than two. But you, you, you're saying they're responsible for all of these type of events, you said public and private. Does so? Does that shed any light on on whether or not um, they should have not run the that leg of the of the of the Ironman? Yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't, Neil. Because what what triathlon Ireland are saying is that they they've, I, they effectively they sanction events. So obviously, it means that they give them permission. But that doesn't mean or it doesn't say or clarify whether the events themselves still have the right to proceed. Now, Ironman Cork have said that their safety officers uh, examined the conditions, checked the course, shortened the course, um, which meant that there was a greater concentration of safety boats um, along the course line and that they were happy for the event to proceed. Now, Finance Minister Michael McGrath um, was doing a press conference yesterday at the opening of the new theatres in the Mercy University Hospital and he made the point that he said he wants to see comprehensive answers to the questions that have been raised about the circumstances in which these two men died and he said he would expect that there's a very detailed investigation by the event organisers Ironman Cork but he also flagged that he thought there might be a role in this for Water Safety Ireland which of course is the agency responsible for all types of water safety within the country and the other element of inquiry that's ongoing into this the Gardaí have said that they do not consider this to be a, a criminal matter that it is being um, investigated with a view to preparing a file for the Cork County coroner and the coroner's inquest which will take place next year will probably be the forum in which a lot of the answers may be um, obtained in terms of the general circumstances in which Ivan Chittenden, a 65-year-old Canadian national, and Brendan Wall, a 44-year-old originally from Slane in County Meath but who had been working over recent years or recent times in Solihull in Birmingham in the circumstances in which both of those men lost their okay. lives. Were there, were there other injuries? There was talk yesterday that other people were removed to hospital. Were you managed to shine any more light on that, whether other people were removed to hospital? No, I don't know anything about other people being removed to hospital, Neil, but there were other injuries involved, and mostly kind of cuts and scrapes and bruises. And uh, the, uh, the majority of those, from what I understand, were sustained by people trying to get into the water. And what appears to have happened is that there was quite a significant swell um, off y'all. You also had large waves crashing into the shoreline and a resulting undertow. And the situation was compounded by the fact that because of the aftermath of Storm Betty, uh, the course on Saturday 
wasn't, it couldn't be used. So the decision was made to postpone the events from Saturday and to run them on Sunday in conjunction with the longer Ironman event. So you had a significant number of people kept coming into the water on a phased basis. And as one line of swimmers were going into the water, the footage clearly shows the conditions were such that they were being driven back. In some cases, they were being flipped over and driven back on the next line of swimmers trying to get into the water. So swimmers were bouncing off each other. They were, you know, striking the the, the, the seabed or whatever as they were trying to get in. And I think that was part of the problem was that the conditions were so challenging. Swimmers were struggling to get into a rhythm. And it old conditions only became calmer about 200 meters offshore when you turn, basically swimmers were had to take a turn in the course. They went around the buoy and several competitors said to me, once you went around the marker, things got significantly calmer, but getting into the water was a significant challenge. I'm even seeing texts again this morning from people saying that Ironman is a challenging event. It is not a walk in the park. We have heard, unfortunately, of many deaths in Ironman, primarily in the swimming section of, I was quoting figures going back to uh, 25 years ago when it all started. Unfortunately, it does lead to casualties, that it's a case of personal responsibility of the contestants. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think that's true to a degree, but that does not mean that there's not a responsibility on everyone involved from state agencies to the event organizers to umbrella bodies to minimize the risk. I mean, if you have adverse conditions and if an umbrella body is saying the conditions are so adverse that they can't sanction the event, I think that's a fairly significant stance by Triathlon Ireland. And the questions that arise were, well, who was the person who made the decision on behalf of the organizers that they were happy for it to go ahead? What was their experience? Are they more experienced in safety assessments than, say, the individuals with Triathlon Ireland? Yes, yes. Cork yes. County Council are the primary sponsors of this, of this event. Were Cork County Council aware that the event organizers decided to go ahead with it despite the fact that Triathlon Ireland had said the conditions were so adverse that they couldn't sanction it. So there's a lot of questions here. Okay. Um, what will the next chapter be? Will it be the coroner's court at some stage next year then, is it? I would suspect so, Neil, yeah. I mean, given the fact that this is really... Um, the, the major investigative agencies in this have pretty much signaled, like, such as the Guardian, they've signaled that they're not... Um, going to be to the forefront of this. So the guards will prepare a file for the coroner and I think the coroner will probably end up taking the lead role in trying to answer some of the questions which have arisen. But you may very well have a role for, say, Water Safety Ireland or some other bodies who may get involved in this given, I think, the lack of clarity in terms of the decision-making process, uh, what what is the, the entitlements, what is the responsibilities of, of a body to proceed with a sporting event when the umbrella body involved clearly said that they don't believe it should go ahead given yes, the condition. but that is advice and not, um, uh, it's not, if you like, it's not an order not to proceed, it's advice not to proceed. It, that seems very much to be the case. Okay. And I should also say that, I mean, while... The Guardi have been very clear that like, there is no criminal investigation into this. That does not mean that there's the possibility of civil proceedings sometime in the future. Okay, okay. Appreciate the update on that, as always. Uh, Barry, sorry, Ralph Regal, Southern correspondent with the Irish Independent. Tri- Triathlon Ireland are saying absolutely no more than what they said, as Ralph just said there with regards to the statement that they announced last night. We were in touch with them this morning, and they're saying, uh, words to the effect that there's an investigation ongoing, and at this stage it wouldn't be appropriate for us to make any further comment. 
except that we will uh, provide any assistance that the authorities require. Um, but they'll say no more than what they've already said, that they could not um, in any way, shape or form um, uh, say that they would sanction the race because of the conditions. <coughs> A lot of texts on this. Text 0868104106, both yesterday and indeed again this morning. Swimmers were put into the water in the most dangerous place on your beach between rocks and not far from a red flag. We have miles of safe sandy beaches where they could enter with safety and exit without a problem. Yarnman should have been cancelled. The safety advisor crews should be held accountable for this. The sea was not fit for swimming purposes. The organisers need to take ownership they messed up. It resulted in two deaths. Usually when the waters are unsafe, there's a red flag put in place to warn swimmers of the danger. Why was this not put in place yesterday if the water was unsafe? I've fished in Yaw for over 40 years and in that area of the key wall, <coughs> you can't fish during a high tide like that. The strength of the tide is too strong. Only fish in the estuary one hour before and one hour after. Absolutely gutted for those who passed away. It's a tough call from the Ironman committee. If it was children, I would agree that it should be cancelled. But the majority of these athletes, if asked, would not want it cancelled. Everyone heading into that sea on Sunday did so with their own free will. They weren't pushed or forced. They choose to do it. Unfortunately, I know two didn't make it home. All those athletes saw the ocean before they went in and they could have chosen not to go in. I'm not being mean, I hope, in saying that, says Michelle. Looking at the coverage on the news last night uh, on what I saw, the event should have been cancelled. 65-year-old's body wouldn't be able to deal with this gruelling type of event. Now, I always push back when I hear of texts like that where somebody says, just because you're in your 60s, you're not fit or able or you're not energetic or athletic. That is no longer uh, the case. Uh, Spanish, uh, first of all, I'd like to express my sadness to the two men who passed away at the Ironman. I've been living with a, a very, I've been living with a very strong athlete, an Ironman, for six years. My husband, he lives for these races. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. I've been listening to you talking about it on air. I've been at a lot of these races and I've heard of a person dying in the water more than once. That never makes the news. I'm gutted for you all because ever since this race came to Ireland, they have had nothing but bad luck. All sport is a risky business, Neil. But yes, they sign a waiver form before entering the Ironman. My husband spent all day Sunday watching the Ironman because a few weeks ago he had a crash on his bike while out training. There was a mechanical issue on the, on the bike uh, uh, where he got thrown from it. He had multiple breaks in his ribs, his hip and staples to his head. So we're thankful that all this can heal. However, you choose to take part and spend lots of money training and working hard to do these races. Every time I watch these races, I'm nervous about the swimming part of it. The point I'm trying to make is that there can't be blame on any particular person. The decision was made by each individual who went into that water. Hope you get to read this out. Longtime supporter of Ironman. There are risks, Neil, with everything in life. Uh, keep those texts coming. Text 0868 106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Another news this morning, and I will come back to text throughout the course of the morning. It's a story in the Star this morning. You know, during COVID, and we had two to two and a half years of it, and there was fines going out all, all over the yin-yang. People even got jail sentences for breaking COVID restrictions. You see, the Star this morning is saying people are still being jailed and fined for lockdown offences committed during the pandemic. It's interesting that one of the biggest serial offenders during COVID was Boris Johnson. He didn't get any time, uh, but members of the public do when they get fines. 13,000 prosecutions uh, under 
the now outdated COVID laws. That's the amount of them. 13,000 and fines totaling three quarters of a million. 70 jail sentences for people who broke COVID restrictions. One fella was fined two grand in 2021 for travelling home to Ireland from abroad to check on his elderly mother. Uh, he is actually challenging uh, that fine. Um, he was coming home because his mother was very unwell. But 70 jail sentences, three quarters of a million in fines. Um, would you think that that's fair? Or, or do you think at this stage that people should just say, listen, let's just forget about this chapter and write it all off? There were some very high profile ones, actually. You recall, you recall two girls by the name of Neve Mulrini and Kirsty McGrath. Um, the pair allegedly refused to mandatorily quarantine in a hotel in 2021. They had come back from cosmetic surgery, uh, with a trip over in, in Dubai. You recall that when it became known as the Dubai Two, and they were detained at a time at Mountjoy Women's Prison. And then Margaret Buttermer, before the courts, more than once uh, jailed for six months for refusing to wear a mask down in West Cork. Six months for refusing to wear a mask, lads. And then you had three fellas who got fines after they told the guardie that they travelled from Meath to Dublin to get burgers from a favourite takeaway. Gas, isn't it? Um, and then there was also the story of uh, Nathan Carter apologising for having uh, some kind of a, a house party at his home. Um, this just goes on and on and on, chapter and verse, with the different fines that people were imposed on. Uh, you wonder at this stage, should they continue to pursue those or just call it a day? You know, we're talking about calling it a day. Uh, schools are back next week. Um, so I guess that's it. I mean, maybe we'll get another few nice days. And then August is gone. And September then, we will get the Indian summer when the schools are back. Uh, and the weather will improve drastically. Ain't that always the way? But the mail this morning is talking about the sales of ice cream cones plummeted. We had a great start to the 99 season back end of May and early June. But then, although I did still see an awful lot of people eating the odd ice cream, I can tell you that. But apparently sales of the ice cream plunged two and a half million euro. Because by and large, and you could say the same about barbecues and burgers and salads and all sorts of stuff like that, it just took an absolute dive. And far be it for me to, to suggest that I'm funny or that I could ever even do 30 seconds of stand-up comedy but you got to wonder whether or not I actually could or not, or you too. When you see the jokes that have been doing the rounds at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, they had this comedy judge um, a t- competition which was judged with trying to find the best joke for the Edinburgh Festival. I mean, I'm even slow, and I have to say really slow, in even trying to read out these jokes because, Kevin... They just, they won't come across as funny and they will do me no favours if no. I try and crack the they're jokes. Not even, they're not even like, they're, they're, they're not even like, you know, it's so bad, it's funny. They're just, they're just bad. Do you want, like, do you want the winning gag? Oh, I, yeah. At on. the Edinburgh Fringe, it's so stupid. Even the person who cracked the joke said it was stupid. It is, da-dum, I started dating a zookeeper, but he turned out he was a cheetah. See? Hasn't done me any favors. I I, I I would really I would hope that was the room's response to that joke. Just absolute yeah. silence. I mean, this is the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Are these not supposed to be funny people? The British thing, the the most British thing I've ever heard. A lady said, "Well, I'm sorry, but I don't apologize." Yeah. God. I mean, oh, another one. Yeah. When women gossip, we get called bitchy. When men do it, it's called a podcast. Okay. Ah, he's laughing. I like that. That's good. That's good. I like that now. How do celiac Germans greet each other? 
Gluten tog. No. no. I entered uh, one more. I entered how not to surrender competition. I won hands down. Silence. I like. I They're all like that. But this is supposed to be like is like. I know this is some sort of marketing stunt, right? And everybody's talking about the Edinburgh Fringe now. But like, that would make me not want. Like, when you consider how much you have to pay to go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, imagine paying all that money going seeing that. But then just uh, just and then have hearing a, a joke like that. But just have a competition called the corniest jokes or the worst it's just, jokes. It's just like it's like the Edinburgh Fringe is supposed to be funny. Like I had a great I mean? joke about inflation, but it's hardly worth it now. That's <laughs> okay. You like that? That tickled something in you. I get that's not the worst of it, but the cheetah one. I mean, in fairness, people have been telling that joke for about forty years. Oh, I thought it was new. It's no, a stolen it's, joke. It's a, that's that's that joke's been going around for ages about cheetah and you know, it's like it's. It, I I don't mind the ones where at least I like the podcast one. That kind of tickled me. Do you know what I mean? But like, some of it's absolute just rubbish. Here's another joke for you. Oh, you gonna take me home tonight? Ba boom. Jonathan, good morning. How we doing, Neil? Good old song, isn't it? Ah, classic. Yeah. Pure classic. Every single song he ever ever sang by are all classic. Uh, bad news for you, pal. They want the song banned because it's disrespectful yeah, sure. to women with fat bottoms. Well, Neil, most women these days go and get surgery to get fat bottoms. Well, that is true. <laughs> yeah, that is <laughs> true. Like, so, like, where are you going? Like, where, where you can't win, you can't lose, like, you know well, in the one week, we had fat bottom girls getting attacked and we had poor old Snow White getting stories rewritten and everything. It's not acceptable either. Where? What do you think? I, I was just looking at another thing yesterday that the, the seven dwarfs, they'll have to be changed. Oh, yeah. well, that they're yeah. not dwarfs anymore. No, they're not. They have to be people. more inclusive to all sorts of different skin colours and height. Like, and, like, like, it's just, Neil, it's everything you know yourself, like, because you're doing it long enough. Like, it's just been blown out of proportion, like. I think they could go after other songs besides Fat Bottom Girls, don't you think? I I tell you now, my girlfriend is a big Beyonce fan. And, like, my child is five years of age, and, like, he'd be listening to her, listening to Beyonce, and he's singing songs there that the child shouldn't even know, like... You know, about Sexualised lyrics, a five-year-old singing, like what? Like, uh, slapping the ass and all this kind of stuff like that to be in the songs, like, you know, he just knows, he thinks it's funny by saying it, you know? Yeah, there's a lot worse than Beyonce, like, though, if you look at the lyrics like whap, of Cardi like B. Like, all these Cardi B and the WAP and all these kind of songs that are out. Like, and if you actually look on Facebook or Snapchat of people's young daughters, they have them all dancing to these songs, Neil, and singing these songs, and they're only kids, like. I just don't get it, man. I think the world is going to hell in a handcart like, way you too have, fast. If you ever, I'm not on TikTok, Neil, but the missus is on TikTok, and a few of the buddies are on TikTok. And the kids, like, young kids I see dancing to these WAP songs, and... All these songs and rap lyrics can be overly sexualized. That's what comes with. Like originally, rap wasn't like that. Rap, rap was from the ghetto. It was from poor people. It was oh, well, people yeah. talking about troubles in their lives. Very much but influenced the, by the like drug what culture. What you're saying in no is like is also filth. Like in this, are you a big? It's not. I have to say, Jonathan, it's not one of my favorite Queen songs. However, so would it be missed? Mm. Like, well, you know, it, it is. Uh, it still is a big Queen song, though. It was in his book with the Bohemian Rap the, when he was doing the film. Like, I like, you know, I've been listening to Queen since I'm 
seven or eight years of age my father was a big Queen fan and a big Elvis fan so has he got do you have any copies of the Day of the Races the Night of the Opera the earlier albums oh, my, my father has all the old vinyls Neil Fantastic. All the, and he even has an Elvis one that's a pink vinyl. It, there was only like 500 of them ever made. And he, we still have that at home as well. That's worth a few bob, my friend. Oh, it is. And he, he's, he's actually not with us now anymore, Neil. But if he ever thought that, he'd torn in his grave. Well, he knew his music in fairness to your dad. Uh, However, why would they ban fat, fat bottom girls and leave? I, you, 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 you brought up Bohemian like Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. Mama just like killed it, a man, put a gun it, against his head. <laughs> like, and uh, there's nothing said about that then, like... And even in the streets of New York back two, a few years ago when they were saying, oh, you can't sing that anymore because of the wars that are in it and stuff like, do you know us? Tom Jones, Delilah. He went and murdered his yeah, ex-girlfriend. I only, a, I only read that a few weeks ago as well about the rubby. Yeah, like, I, yeah actually just following that, the, the Tom Jones classic Delilah, which came in for so much attention, is sung by the Welsh Rugby Choir, but Rich, banned yeah. by rug, Welsh Rugby Authorities. <laughs> Yeah, you're not allowed singing in the stadiums anymore. Anyway, what do you think we've gone to uh, PC Mad? Ah, uh, Neil, and it, this is—it's sorry, no, it's, it's a kids' crow came out about this, and this some. Um, yeah, it, it is—it is an app to promote music to young children. Paul McCartney's yeah. behind it and everything. I don't know if there's any yeah, Beatles yeah. songs and like, that come well, in for like, any and As you know, for the last few months and weeks and stuff, what about all these things that they're bringing into the schools now in the new curriculum and stuff? All these gender ideologies and all these these are innocent kids listen to all this stuff in school and they're giving out about kids listening to a fat bottom girl song and it's not actually fat bottom girls in a derogatory way I mean the lyrics no, of the not. song are saying I find them attractive exactly yeah it's not in a bad way or it's not in like uh, it's not anything it's just just a figure of speech really, well you like. keep listening to what you want to listen to Jonathan don't let anybody tell you any different and he'll like and just before I go there, we we um you ran about your you were on holidays there two weeks ago. Yeah. And um, you're the fellow that was hosting the show, Kevin. I think is yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, spot on. Yeah, he he was saying that um all that cock girl saying having another protest by for, over the books and all this kind of stuff. But he was saying why are they having another protest? But like. Why wouldn't we have another protest if you could ask him? Are are, are you talking about this book is gay? Well, no, it's just a cock system. That's what they're, they're all saying. The protests are about this book. Yeah. The protests aren't just about this book, Neil. It's, it's, there's hundreds of other things this protest is about. And Kevin only picking out this book. This book. This, like, that book is Okay, so tell one. me, what else does Cork say no to? About the mass implantation of unvetted military-aged men. About the 12,000 homeless Irish people yeah, yeah. waiting for homes. Yeah. About... All the, the the poverty, like people have, they're like a normal Irish, like myself, like a normal Irish person these days is out working six days a week, Neil, just to put food on the table. Can't afford a holiday, can't afford to do nothing because all the expenses are going up, the wages aren't going up, the taxes are going up. And like, we're, we're, we're just, like our last protest went unbelievable, Neil. Like, people joined our protest. And protest said, away, Jonathan. Do... You have a right under well, Irish democracy and law and, to protest all you want. that's why I didn't understand when Kevin said the last thing, like, that he thinks it's a waste of I time. Think maybe, we... I think maybe it had to do with the fact that if it was centralised anywhere near the library, it would be central to the book. This book says no. Yeah, well, no. we said if that's the library all. is open, if the library is open, Neil, we are not going to go outside the library. All right. But if okay. the library is closed, Neil, we're going to put that banner up outside the library. Oh, well, listen, you're entitled to do all of that. 
that. Absolutely. Well, if, if, if the lady is I, open, I understand, we will I understand not go people's anger and annoyance that all of a sudden out of nowhere they find all of this money and they can find all of this housing and up. Why, did, why didn't anybody build modular houses years ago for people who have I, I, I'm renting the last five years. I'm like paying sixteen hundred euro a month and just dead money, just rent. I got taken off the corporation list because I was making too much and I can't afford a mortgage because I'm not making enough. You're entitled to be fed up with that or peed off. You know, that. like, so where am I meant to go? Like, I'm just stuck in the middle. I'm renting and I can't afford a mortgage because I'm paying so much I can't save a penny. I think, I think that the anger very much should be turned not towards people, but towards government and government, central government. Exactly, right? needs government. And Who have like, created the, 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 the this division and created this scenario. And the opposition out there calling us Nazis because we just want their, our kids' futures to Can be safe. Can we please stop like, no, calling people hope. names, though? We don't need yeah, this. Like, we don't need Nazi. We don't need the, far Even the girl right. said at the last protest to us that like, you didn't call them one name and all they're doing is shouting names at you. But like, I'm worried about my child's future, Neil. That's all I'm worried about. Will he have a house in this country when he's turned 20 Listen, pal, years of age? you probably are preparing them. Years ago, it was for the boat. You're probably preparing them for the airplane. That's what you're doing. You know, and I, like, that's one thing I don't want, Neil, but I think if my son's going and have to go, I think I'll be going with him because like, if my if my can't raise my family here, like what am I doing here? Like, right, you know? gotcha. Okay, thanks, Jonathan. Let uh, me just so thank you. you. I know. Just give a, if you just give a shout out for the second of September, the Grand Parade. Cork says no approach. Okay, okay, take care of yourself. Second of September, Cork says no grand parade. Um, I know, I know, we went kind of off on a different tangent. If I just go back again, just pull back into Fat Bottom Girls Queen dropped from the new. There's a new version of the Greatest Hits collection. Right, the old one will still be available and it'll still be on Spotify. Listen, you can listen to whatever you want. You know, they're coming after. We're not really the thought police just yet. Not until the new hate crime bill comes in, anyway. But with a finger on the pulse of everything, Glamity Jane, Mary Jane joins me by phone. Mary Jane, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? By comparison to other lyrics in the modern age, Fat Bottom Girls is like, uh, it's fairly lightweight, isn't it? Well, it is because, I mean, okay, first of all, it was written in 1978, which was before even I was born. Um, so it's, it was for a different time. And Brian May wrote it, but he came out in an interview afterwards saying that, it, you know, that himself and Freddie had kind of obviously written it because, they preferred the fuller figure. Um, and obviously, um, when the if, if they were writing it now, they might maybe call it fat bottom people because um, obviously Freddie's preference was for men. But um, like compared to the lyrics that are out there... Yeah, I back mean, then, I very, much, you know. very much hidden though because we also lived in a time yes. in the 70s and 80s when it would have been career suicide for Freddie Mercury to say that he was gay. Just like George Michael, incidentally, yeah. Yeah, and, and also, like, back in those Delta days, John. it was very much um, real thin women were kind of in fashion. Um, and you saw that coming right up through the 90s where you had the heroin chic look. And now, actually, that song is probably more relevant than it was. So why aren't they the embracing it then about body image yeah. positivity? I don't know. I don't really know, Neil, to be honest with you, because in comparison, in comparison to some of the lyrics that we have out there now, I mean... Bums have always been a kind of a thing. Beyonce and Destiny's Child had Bootylicious, and that word, Bootylicious, was actually put into the Oxford English Dictionary in 2007. What do it mean? So, Bootylicious, it's like having a big juicy bum. Right, there you go. And yet <laughs> so, it's in the Oxford Dictionary. Yeah, okay. Exactly. And then, as well as that, like you have the likes of J-Lo and, you know, the Kardashians who are all about... Um, 
big bums. So we're we're very used to it now. Um, and I, I think it's it's a bit of a backward step, really, to be honest with you. Uh, particularly when you look at um, like kids, I don't think they they're as you know. Obviously, they say that kids are sponges and things like that. But like, I don't think they pick up on the nuances that adults pick up on. Um, so I think it's you know like uh, uh, Madonna's song, like the prayer I was going around singing that when I was eight or nine or whatever. I mean, we know what that's about. So <laughs> and there was absolute just... murder when actually there was just. Even when Madonna arrived on the scene, there was like it was, there was outrage. Yeah. You, you, we, somebody mentioned earlier, right, that actually there is a form of cosmetic surgery for a bigger bum. Yeah. Um, is is that the removal of fat from one part of the body and implanted into the in, onto onto yes. bum it's cheeks? Called BBL, so Brazilian butt lift. Yeah. Now it is one of the more more dangerous forms of cosmetic surgery because obviously your bum is quite vascular. Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of veins and stuff around that area. So um, fat transfer from, you know, your thighs. And a lot of the adult movie stars do it. And a lot of the kind of, um, a lot of, I suppose, like a lot of women are having it done now and they're going over to Turkey and places like that. But it's actually very dangerous because, um, like, if you think about it, if you want to make a bum bigger, it's, it's completely different to putting filler in your cheeks where you might have one mid of filler. These are litres that they'd have to put oh, into your bum wow, to make it bigger. Wow. What's the so, attraction, but, though? I mean, for bigger I bums. don't know. Uh, this kind of tiny waist and big bum is kind of what is what is in fashion at the moment. Um, but look, that, that can change at the drop of a hat, as you know. Um, you know, trends and things change. But definitely those BBLs, they're, and they're becoming massively popular where they're getting, you know, fat sucked from their abdomen and into the into the bum. It's just an aesthetic, I think. That's, that's kind of like all of the gym people are doing it. And a lot of them are not saying that they're doing it. They're saying that they're squatting in the gym. But look, you know, you, you know if somebody has a flat bum uh, on a Monday and by the following Thursday... Um, you know, you can you can kind of also tell of others who claim that their muscle gain is solely from lifting weights when you know that oh, that listen. buff lift buff look is ha- is helped by steroids, right? Yes, absolutely the same thing. But um, yeah, so I I, I think that they're I, I don't know why they're over sanitizing things from children. Now we're going to create a whole range of kids that are just not able to critically think for themselves, you know. Um, and uh, and look, you know, there is a lot to be said for the way that Disney and stuff portrayed, always portrayed evil people as being kind of fast and ugly or whatever. Um, so there is a bit of a, a, a bit of a need for that. But I mean, this was a very positive body positive kind of song. So I don't know why they're, they're you know, he didn't say anything derogatory. He maybe implied that fat bottom girls were a little bit more promiscuous or whatever. But I mean, I, 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 just I, I didn't, I didn't read that into it. I just read in that it was an homage to, you know, women or girls, an appreciation of the fuller figure, figured lady. But you, yeah. you interestingly say that sometimes people come up with this kind of guerrilla marketing that we need a publicity stunt to push yeah. the app and the record. What will we yeah. do? I, 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 that's what I was saying to Kevin this morning. I was like, I feel like, and there is a little bit of a, a little bit of the marketeer in me that's saying, hang on a second now, uh, if we do this, because it's, it is it is massively not offensive. I, I don't know any, like now you might have 25 people on the back of this call ringing you, telling you it's highly offensive. And But as a fat bottom girl myself, I don't find it offensive. No, so. I think it actually is offensive to people who do have large posteriors in the sense that they're now being told that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
like you, some people, it's genetics, Neil, so you, you know. I mean, there's people going out there paying thousands for a, a big bum. And then there's some of us that are just gracing the earth with it naturally, you know. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> okay, we could talk all day about that. And not to mention, we were talking about Snow White. Your thoughts on fairy tales in a, in a one line? I think, like, I think they're part of our history and they're part of our heritage. And it, it is a way of opening a conversation with your children as well about about things being a bit more PC and things like that. It is a way of, like, allowing them to critically think without eradicating the need for, you know, without completely sterilising everything, you know. Gotcha. Well said. Thanks as always. Uh, mind yourself. Glamity Jane, Mary Jane, text 0868104106. Your thoughts on that are welcome. It demonstrates that we live in a society with snowflakes. Perhaps it's time to stop bowing down to the woke culture nonsense and focus maybe on actual issues that matter. Banning fat, fat bottom girls won't resolve the housing crisis, Neil. Won't resolve the cost of living crisis, mental health crises, health care, among other issues. Weirdos need to get a life. Uh, and Frank, and there's lots more on this after 10. This world, Neil, has just gone plumb crazy over these stupid, bloody complaints about the lyrics of songs written 40 or 50 years ago. If I saw one text, I saw it a dozen times. Uh, if you don't like a song, it's a bit like if you don't like a TV show, if you don't like a movie, don't watch it, don't listen to it. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Just staying with the texts on the wokeness of the world, Fat Bottom Girls with Queen. Uh, I don't like the music. I don't listen. This woke generation is killing the movie industry, never mind the music industry. There are far worse problems in the world to complain about. Helen says, oh my God, this country is fecked. The best years were the 60s, 70s and 80s for my age group. Leave it alone, for God's sake. It's the same with fairy tales. What about Goldilocks eating the bear's porridge after breaking into their house? Is that now how they're interpreting Goldilocks and the Three Bears? That this young uh, juvenile offender broke into the bear's house unannounced and uninvited and ate their food. Paul said this argument is one-sided for too long. If the song offends you, change stations. Just like people are being told not to watch something if it's too woke for them. You can't have your cake and eat it again. A bit of common sense here. If you don't like it, don't listen. The Tom Jones classic Delilah is another example, Neil. Uh, Sean says, one of their best songs, Fat Bottom Girls, it is, it's a disgrace that the woke minority constantly get pandered to. The world is a pity. Uh, good God, really? Has, it, has this gone just a bit too far now? What has the world come to? I'm 45 and I consider myself to be a liberal person. But this kind of carry on is not the way to be going in any and all walks of life, you're going to need to agree or disagree with people in order to see the bigger picture. Yes, you need to have agreements. You know, sometimes it's not so bad to have the row. Anyway, Texter says the woke culture needs to stop because in order to progress as a society, all sides need to be included, not just one. Wake up, people. You know who you are. Margaret says, leave the music alone. The world has just gone to PC. And a final one for now. Of course they should be left alone, the lyrics of songs. Why people? Why is people's right to choose being taken away from them? If they don't like a track like Fat Bottom Girls, skip it. Um, God knows the music world is very bad. A lot of sexual references and swear words now in modern music. My 16-year-old listens to it. I guide them on how bad it is. But I choose not to listen to it myself. But I would never take the right away from other people if they like it. And this is coming from a curvy girl myself. Books, music, television, classics should all be left alone and left to people 
uh, and their right to choose. So that's the selection. There are more, but back to the phone lines we go. PJ, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, are we on Fat Bottom Girls or will we be talking about the Grimm's fairy tales and Snow White and Three we Blind Mice? Three Blind Mice will be next now because the farmers oh, cut no, off the yeah, poor mouse. Yeah, yeah. They're probably to do with the farmer's knife. Wife Cruelty to mice. Where, where, oh, where is it, is it going to, to end? Fat Bottom Girls has been, that was one of my first Queen songs. I'm... Oh, it was a 74, wasn't it? 78. 78. 78, was yeah. it? I was, I was 14 and I was just kind of getting into music. And I thought it was a funny song. Uh, you know, I thought it was actually a, a funny song at the time. And to hear somebody saying Fat Bottom on TV to me, on my little black and white TV on the Leash and Kenny Borders, I thought Fat Bottom Girls was a... Was was uh, a funny thing. As to, a, as a young fella, as a child, you would like you'd have the old yeah, giggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, like I said to you last week, just taking these things be. Let children be children, and let them make out of life what they make out of life. But look at all the other things that have come in for an awful lot of criticism. I mean. Try now, as he may, um, you know, Basil Fawlty trying to make another series of Fawlty Towers. How in the name of God he'd get away with oh, that? Oh, that, that, that would never... How even would a comedian like Billy Connolly survive now? Well, well it's hard to know it, because... It, it, um, it's it's yeah. a wonder Tommy Tiernan's not uh, surviving at all. Well, he, he must be one hell of a brave man to continue on in spite of all of the criticism, Tommy yeah. Tiernan. At least Billy yeah, Connolly's yeah. retired. That's right, yeah. Yeah, he is um, Alzheimer's. I'm not Alzheimer's. Parkinson's. Well, well, you you put together another list of things for change. We know we all know. Fair, sorry, PJ, just move around a little bit there. I'm just saying to you, you put together a bit of a list. Amongst them is the old chestnut hammering away at the fairy tale in New York. So we know that one. What other ones did you have? Oh, baby, it's yeah, cold outside the song. Baby, it's cold outside. Jim D. Martin was keeping him on there against uh, against her will. Yeah. Um, Tom Jones, Delilah is another one. He kind of was um, keeping her there against her will, wasn't he? Trying to push drink on her. Well, he was asking her to stay back, and he was asking her to have a drink. You know, um, it was cold outside. I wasn't there, Neil. I don't know. No. <laughs> I wasn't in the room. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't around. Okay. And I'm beginning to wonder now: Did you have a fat bottom? Life of Brian. Ted would say, "In fact, you ought to have lovely bottoms." Yeah, life of Brian. Blazing saddles, faulty towers. Um, God only knows why they find anything offensive about Little House in the Prairie, but you got that on the list as well. Yeah, well, it was the way some of the um, coloured people were were um, were portrayed in it. Now, there wasn't many, but it was the way they were portrayed, they were all portrayed as being slaves on the run or something like that. I, I, I thought that was one of the most powerful dramas that I ever watched, and I oh, watched it very... family, well. easy, family life kind of thing. Would you even take the likes of, the likes of Roots, the likes of Tom Sawyer, um, all these these books and films, yes, they were brutal. But surely, to God, if we do losing you again, just one more opportunity to finish the sentence. Go ahead. No, I tell you what, PJ, we covered a lot of ground on that, but apologies, uh, the phone isn't good enough. Uh, Mick says, Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side has the line, plucked her eyebrows along the way, shaved her legs, and then he was a she. 
is this okay in 2023 because it's woke to transgenderism perhaps the Rolling Stones Brown Sugar is about a white slave owner taking sexual advantage of a coloured slave Golden Brown by the Stranglers is about heroin use the opening line of Bohemian Rhapsody is about murder the Beatles Run For Your Life has extremely disturbing and violent lyrics just saying. So thank you for those examples and uh, keep them coming. Text 0868 104 106. Back to the phone lines. Breda, good morning. Hello, I was just thinking of the um, the Vine comedy. The band? Remember, yeah, the, the National Express. And there was a great line in that that said, it's hard to get by when your arse is the size of a small country. <laughs> it's a it's funny line though. Have a listen to it. On the National Express there's a jolly hostess selling crisps and tea. She'll provide you with drinks and theatrical wings or a sky high Many skirts were in style when she danced down the aisle back in the 60s. You know, as much as I know that song and played it on the air for many, many years, I never really sat down and listened to the lyrics, Brida. Oh, it's brilliant. I think it's really witty. You know, I think he was a genius, comic genius, you know. But (laughs) he's kind of saying that this woman needs to cop herself on and stop wearing clothes that she wore when she was a younger girl because they don't fit her now, they don't suit her age no, no, and her arse is too big. That. He's just, just commenting on someone with a big bum and they're trying to get through the aisles with the serving trolley, you know. No, he says mini skirts were in style in the 60s and 70s yeah, and it yeah, might have yeah. suited her image then. But she needs to grow old gracefully. Is that not demeaning? You can wear whatever you want. Well, I think, you know, I mean, the common sense rules, the rules with everything, you know. I mean, you have to dress age appropriately sometimes, like, I mean, you can see people, sometimes overweight teenagers and they wear, you know, the muffin top effect. Yes, it is spilling out, yeah, I know. know, So, you know, a bit of common sense, go up a size or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Will people be calling for the Divine Comedy song, the National Express now also, to be cancelled? Uh, no, I, I think the cancellation thing is a bit ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, choose not to listen to it if you don't like it. I know, I know. I mean, I, I, I was compared to, I went to art school in the 80s and I was, that song, um, uh, Lou Reed's song, you know. With Walk on the Wild Side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I was, said that, that I, I reminded them of that song, but I'm sure the people wouldn't have realised that it was about, um, you know, someone being a, a transvestite. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. We didn't study the lyrics all that carefully back there. We were more, maybe even today, more interested in the melody, you know? Well, I, th- I think, too, I mean, there are very few songs nowadays that are written with really good lyrics, you know? I mean, one of my favourite um, songs is, you know, the Charlie uh, Parker band, the, the Devil Went Down to Georgia. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the story. He was looking for a place to hide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a story from beginning to end, you know. 
and it's a good song. It's got a story. It's got great musicians. Devil was a great poker player, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently All right. so. All right, nice one. Let me let me stay with poker, actually, if you don't mind, on that topic. Louise, good morning. Lady Gaga's Hi. poker face. Yeah, did you ever... Good morning, Neil. How are you? Morning, girl. Morning, girl. We'll be here all did morning with, ever, with uh, examples. Go ahead. Yeah, did you ever hear the words of Lady Gaga song, Poker Face? No. Again, I'm, I'm right. more... I'm probably hanging around for the hook or the chorus line or the melody. Yeah. Well, it's F-F-F her face. That only dawned on me a few months ago, and I'm 48. Yeah, that's fairly out there now. That's pretty radical stuff, yeah. all right, for kids to be singing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, it only dawned on me a few weeks ago. Do you know now? But I actually love Queen. Queen has played in my house every day. Every day. And I'm a, I'm a curvy girl, and I have a fine curvy bottom as well. You proud of it? You know what I mean? I am. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Sure, sure. Why wouldn't you be? No, it's just because if the song gets banned, it means that obviously people find that there's something wrong with it. I think it's ridiculous the way old songs are banned. Sure, Queen Queen was around just just about when I was born. Um, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting though that you know films get classifications as to who can go and watch them, but music has no classifications as to who should listen to these particular lyrics. No. And Lady Gaga is very popular, and I actually love her music. But it only dawned on me a few weeks ago about Poker Face. Oh. I was like, "Did I just hear that right?" And I googled it. I actually googled the lyrics. I couldn't believe it. Do you know? She described Poker Face as the expression she pulls when she's having sex with a man, but wishes she was having sex with a woman. Apparently, did you know that? Exactly. No, I didn't actually. No, I didn't. There you go now. So why you learn she... something new every day, don't yeah, you? Yeah, totally, yeah. Well, I don't know that they need to be that explicit about it, but there you have it nonetheless. No. Thanks for that. Text 0868 Of course they should be left alone. Why is people's rights to choose constantly been taken away? If they don't like the trap, skip it. Um, God knows the music industry is very bad. A lot of sexual references and swear words. My 16-year-old listens to a lot of it. One final one ahead of the break. I can't believe all this, to be honest. The world has gone back 200 years, if you ask me. If that's the case, there are thousands of songs out there. So that need to be dropped as well or changed. And next, they'll be changing the title of Fairy Tale of New York. You watch it. Well... Some don't play Fairy Tale of New York, and others that play it beep out the F A G O T word. Um, you know, are you better off not playing it or just leave it alone in total? I'm afraid to say we are the architects of our own demise, even entertaining tiny amounts of snowflake idity. Oh, what a lovely word! Snowflake idity. They started this process a long while ago with Elvis Costello, they got him to buckle. They then tried it on Tom Jones and Delilah, who didn't buckle, and now Queen. They're also trying it with the new Snow, Snow, Snow White movie. It's going through the same utter madness. It's about time people grew a pair and got these thought police placed back under the slimy rocks where they belong. Text 0868 Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. And you can also pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. You had a man on the air yesterday who said what happened in your wasn't the organizer's fault. Well, if Triathlon Ireland didn't sanction the swim to go ahead, surely it is their fault and they are now to blame. As in, I suppose uh, you're saying, the Ironman 
uh, people themselves. The question is, what advice did the Gardaí, the Coast Guard and the RNLI give the Ironman Committee? That's a bigger question. And if so, why didn't they take that advice? I don't know what the advice of the Gardaí, uh, or more to the point, the Coast Guard or the RNLI was. I can endeavour to find out. Uh, One should never underestimate the power of the ocean. Many moons ago, I was only 19 and my little niece was four. We were on Banna Beach, barely ankle deep at the water's edge. I was holding her hand. Before I knew it, a freak undertow dragged me waist deep and my niece completely covered. I held on to her and lifted her out of the water and made it back to shore. On our way home, we heard on the radio that someone lost their lives on the same day. And I can tell you it was a relatively calm day. I'm completely bamboozled as to why that swim went ahead. Or I peed the two swimmers. That's um, Eilish and Waterford saying, never underestimate the power of the ocean. Um, I was in Yall on Saturday night as I have a house there. It was as rough as I've ever seen it. I really didn't think it would go ahead on Sunday morning and I was amazed that it did go ahead. I'm getting the impression that it was a wildcat decision to let it go ahead. The Gardaí and the RNLI would never have sanctioned something like that. I really didn't see much, but in my opinion, and with my local knowledge from living in Yaw, it was careless to let it go ahead. I don't really have too much to add, really, but as I said, the opinion of the national authorities is the big question. Well, Triathlon Ireland said that they could not uh, give a recommendation or sanction it. Give it a rest, all you snowflakes. Obviously, you've never been to a motorcycle road race or a car rally. Um, condolences to the family of those men who have died. Remember, Neil, these people should be super fit. After all, the competition is called Ironman. Um, listening to texts saying the swimmers choose to swim. All right. But if they knew the triathlon Ireland hadn't sanctioned the event, would they perhaps have decided otherwise? One final one of this for now. To be fair, y'all doesn't have much only the Ironman and the Norries. So hopefully it won't jeopardise Ironman for the future. Well, I mean, a lot more people than just people from the north side of Cork City go down to Yall. Um, and God knows, um, you know, it's been a popular destination uh, for many, many decades. Took a dive, obviously, when people started going on overseas holidays. Now, the sun holidays changed everything in the Irish um, perspective. But uh, it, it, it still needs an awful lot of help and an awful lot of effort. I don't think y'all always helps itself. I think it could be doing more from the point of view of the council down there and those that are running the town. I think they could be an awful lot more proactive, I think. Perhaps this was the end of Ironman uh, for y'all. I think it had its stint. I believe that maybe it was going to move on to other places, but I'm open to correction on that. But keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Morning. I wanted to ask you to raise the ridiculous subject of cashless yeah, I've been talking about cashless all the time. The latest one now is the NCT. They're saying, oh, we're making it much safer for you now and much more convenient. We won't take cash. But this this punter is talking about cashless entry to GAA matches. I'm wondering if this is affecting a lot of people and how to go about changing it. Um, I'm from a, fairly, a family fairly steeped in our local club's hurling history with over a century of passionate lovers of the game. I have relatives who don't use digital or cards that are being excluded from attending the championship matches this year as there's no cash gate at the matches anymore. They've been at every single game since they were children and they're angry at the GAA, just blindly going along with this agenda of everything going digital. The ploughing championships this year were set to go cashless too, but with enough backlash, they've decided to open one cash entrance. I can't understand why the GAA won't accommodate their lifelong supporters who attend every match. Cash is legal tender 
and should not and cannot ever be refused. If there's others in the same predicament, I'd love to know if they're going to boycott matches this year. And some, that's a good question. Let me ask it. Are people going to boycott matches this year? Somebody says, if we lose cash, we ultimately lose everything. And a final one, on the issue of banks, <clears throat> I remember back in the day, you would get cash from your employer and a wage slip in a wage packet. Yes, it was usually a small little brown envelope. The banks would be on their knees begging people to open an account. These days, the banks control all of us, unfortunately. And this is a part from watching your P's and Q's and comics on stage getting silenced. This is all part of one thing, the new world order. And the banks are included in an effort to control us all. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. Sindidi. Text 0868104106. We're talking about change and cancel culture, whether it's uh, Fat Bottom Girls by Queen or indeed the big changes that have been made to the uh, latest release of um, Snow White. I think it's a very, very different film Uh, to the cartoony version from the 1930s. But that's the way the world is changing. Uh, And uh, it's interesting because I read a a lovely, lovely article, actually, uh, at the weekend in the uh, Irish Mail on Sunday. It was the Philip Nolan um, column, and he was talking about... Well, firstly, he was talking about how we have to endure other people's noise, right? Uh, Whether it's on a bus or happens a lot on a train or it could be in a pub or it could be in a restaurant. And that would fall into different categories. You could be next to or near somebody who is bellowing down the phone, uh, holding a really loud conversation uh, and could be doing so all the way to Dublin on the train. Another one is the person who, for some inexplicable reason, decides to use the loudspeaker on their mobile phone to conduct a conversation uh, so everybody else can hear it. So they're roaring and we hear every word back. More than are watching YouTube videos or Instagram videos or TikTok and that tinny, awful sound, and you have to endure all that. You may go into a restaurant scenario or a pub that serves food. You might see kids perched up there with them with a, a laptop. Sometimes it's a tablet or other times it's a phone, and they're watching cartoons with the volume up, and it proves to be all too much for some people, including, as I say, the one and only Philip Nolan. Philip, Philip good morning. Good morning, Neil. But what I really loved also was your gorgeous description of your youth in the caravan in the county of Wexford. Were you a Dublin lad going on halls in Wexford or what? Very much so. I mean, sure, half of Dublin comes down to Wexford every summer anyway. And funnily enough, uh, they're, they're nearly all gone back now this year. So we have the place back to ourselves again, thankfully. <laughs> but back in, the I, day, I in was, back in the day, it was in the caravan with the rain pelting down, trying to fill the day. There wasn't a whole lot going on when the rain came down because we didn't have all the tech we have now. No, there really wasn't. And it was quite late in the day actually as I remember it that we even had like a 14 inch black and white portable television and that was basically for the GAA uh, on Sundays you know uh, for, for the dads and um, and then every August I always remember we always watched Tops of the Town which I don't think exists even anymore <laughs> but uh, that was a, that was a big thing and then there was the Rose of Tralee obviously every August as well so that, they, they were kind of the bookmarks of our summer Tops at the end of, of summer the anyway. town different big companies would take each other on in talent competitions was it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, Cargoline Pottery, where, <laughs> which would be local to you, were one of the finalists one year. Again, I think they, they, they played against Telecom Air, and, uh, which is now obviously Aircom or Air or whatever they call it. Was it. a riveting but television, yeah, I mean, it was- the 1978 final of Tops of the Town, it was? 
anything was a distraction let's be honest we would have watched two flies crawl up a wall if it was right there inside what were you drinking back then I mean was Miranda was the big hit remember the ad ooh Miranda yeah it's actually it's actually it's actually Mirinda Mirinda I got it wrong (laughs) because Miranda obviously is a woman's name but Mirinda was the drink what did it taste like it was orange. It was like Fanta, you know, uh, but it was, um, I, I, I have a memory it might have been cheaper, though. I think Cadet was the cheapest of all, if you remember back that far cadet, as well. Orange <laughs> Cadet, Orange Cadet, Lemonade, <laughs> for all the ads. <laughs> and, and, and Catch Bars, you probably remember that, Jacob, I do. as well. Catch it so, if you can, the outside <laughs> is chocolate, and underneath the chocolate is crispy. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> I had a sad upbringing, didn't I? <laughs> we all did. Come on. As I said, we, we were a simple people, Neil. We were. <laughs> but today it's entirely different because everybody can go anywhere and they're never bored, right? But it's kind of getting you down, is it? <laughs> it's like, well, just, you know, the stupid thing is, I, I don't mind, like, you know, long since children in pubs, that, that ship has long since sailed. And of course, people have to bring their children to pubs nowadays because they're food pubs. Uh, but what they, what they don't do is they don't supervise the children's use of, of you know, mobile devices. And I was in the pub last week and there was a child there and it's the tinny kind of incessant repetitive sound of a video game because the, the music in video games tends to just repeat over and over and yeah, over again. Loop, yeah. And, you know, but, but we're all fine listening to human noise. You know, the human voice, we can filter. We understand, you know, background noise in that respect. But this new level of noise is very different. And like, even like I was in London for the weekend. I was coming home on Sunday. And in the um, in the Ryanair, you know, at the Ryanair gate um, in Gatwick, um, there was a man beside me watching TikToks with no headphones on. And it's just kind of like, why do I have to be subjected to someone else's you know noise because it's not even that you, you can't see the pictures that accompany it and more to the point the noise itself is really really irritating because it's tinny have you ever said to somebody can you sort out the sound there with your child's tablet or say to your man who's watching the videos to plug in headphones well, I'd certainly never say it to a parent because, as we all know, it, you know our precious little darlings are beyond reproach, and so nobody can ever chastise somebody else's child. That's for sure. Uh, but no, I haven't. I haven't actually said it. But I, I, I think I'm pretty good. But it's side eye <laughs> with that kind of half a glare, is it in their general direction? Very much so. But I mean, you, you, does it make a difference? Get it. it does sometimes. But like you even get it now in cinemas and in theaters. Um, where you you know you're conscious at the side of your eye of the glare of a screen because people don't switch their phones off, and um, in, in theatres I've said it for sure, um, but uh, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it to a child, no, because uh, you provoke an extreme reaction usually. I would imagine there was a row, there was a row at some big opera in London that led to fisticuffs two weeks ago. It was one of those very quiet operas, you know, where you really need to concentrate on it. Mm-hmm. But apparently, sitting next to the guy who wrote the article who observed it was somebody eating popcorn um, and the guy behind him kept on kicking the back of your man's chair to shut up eating the popcorn. They were making noise and interrupting. Man turns around and he clocks him and it led to a fight in the aisles of the opera for popcorn eating. People can have quite short fuses, can't they? 
They can, but actually, funny enough, I saw that in the Olympia a few years back. I was at an ABC gig, and somebody, a woman on the row I was sitting in, was singing out loud to every song, and the person behind her asked her to stop, and her boyfriend got up. They started fighting. <laughs> so, I mean, it can, it, it can lead to violence. But I find as well, now that you mentioned it, like etiquette in theatres in particular has gone out the door completely. I mean, people eating. I was at, I was at a show on the board, gosh, one night, and I was in the front row of the balcony where there's kind of a little ledge and two of them beside me took out an entire picnic <laughs> and laid it out and, and, and ate their tea during the show. <laughs> I can kind of have understand somebody being annoyed. If you go to a gig to watch the band on stage perform and sing, you don't want to be sitting next to somebody who's a crow just destroying the atmosphere and ruining the performance. No, you don't. And, you know, the, the, I was at I was at Les Mis one night in, in the board, gosh. And, um, you know, there's that one song, I Dreamed a Dream, yeah. very poignant song early in the show before Fontaine, you know, pops her clogs. Yeah. And uh, there, there was a woman beside me with, a, you know, the giant bag of Tato <laughs> eating it all the way through. <laughs> I, I just wanted to grab it and just rip it from her hands and throw it over the balcony. You didn't, uh, but apparently others do, you know? It's, you know, well, it, it, yeah. But, with, with the kids, with the kids, though, it's, it's very difficult on parents, isn't it? Because they want to grab a bit of food, I suppose, and want to occupy the child while doing so, don't they? Of course, but like, I mean, yeah, look, I do understand as well. I mean, I got some grief about this from other people as well because I do understand that, you know, some children are autistic and they need diversions or they need to have routine. And sometimes, you know, if they're using a tablet or whatever, that calms them down. And I fully understand that. But there are other children who easily could wear headphones or stick in a pair of earbuds or something uh, because parents have an incredible ability um, to switch off. Yeah. You know, because they're around their children all day, they actually can filter their own children out. But for strangers who don't have children it can be completely different experience and as long as the parents from what I can see most parents when they're sitting there munching away on their you know chicken curry and half rice half chips which is the usual down here a lot of carbs but um, when, when, when they're happy eating they don't really care. And then, you know, that's a simple fact. They're on their holidays, and I understand it. But, like, if you go to, you know, southern Europe, where children are welcome everywhere at any hour of day and night, they still don't seem to be quite as much of a nuisance uh, because I think they're so used to the culture of being out with their parents that they behave. Yeah, I don't want to sound like an old fogey, and I know you don't want to either, but nobody seems to, <laughs> or perhaps they don't, nobody seems to read a comic anymore or read a magazine or read a book. I mean, you, you certainly, in the article, do talk about those things you used to read incessantly, particularly in the mobile home with the rain baiting down on top of you. But those days seem to be well gone, don't they? Reading a book or a comic? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure some children do, but I suppose the... Um Excuse me, the difference is that um, back then, I suppose, it was all that we had. But I, I was just brought up. Well, A, I never really went to pubs as a child because neither of my parents drank. They were both, you know, lifelong pioneers. So the pub wasn't a feature of my childhood. I, I never was in one until I was about 16, I think. But equally, if we were in a restaurant or we were, you know, even a cafe or whatever, we'd probably bring it like a colouring book and crayons or something like that. And certainly I would bring a book and read a book. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm as guilty as anybody nowadays because we're so, you know, used to having constant access to information on our phones. I probably read less now than I did when I was a child. Yeah, yeah, but equally, yeah. um, you know, we, we did have ways to amuse ourselves and occupy ourselves. And it didn't involve, you know, encroaching in other people's space, I guess. 
with volume and annoying things like that. Actually, there's a gorgeous, there's a gorgeous paragraph in the article where you talk about maybe one of your first visits to the pub and you discovered, um, long since gone now, the traditional cheese and ham toasted sandwich that went into, I remember, it went into a, it went into a cellophane bag, didn't it? <laughs> and, and then the cellophane bag and all went into the toaster and I think they probably reused the cellophane bags like a million times when you think like it's, it's, it's probably a major health hazard. I'm sure it's outlawed now. But <laughs> yeah, the time I ate bits of the cellophane bag, man. <laughs> yeah, but, but obviously you can't, you, can, you know, you can't put cheese into the toaster because if it melts it actually knocks the power out. <laughs> so so it, had, it had to go in this horrible bag. The, the bag kind of crisped up. It went in soft and then it came out like kind of crinkly, uh, but at least the cheese and ham toasty was perfect inside it. So Washed down good. with a glass of Mirinda. How bad? Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice and, late, and later on, affairs with a glass of stout right. as I got older. <laughs> as you got older and as you got legal. Look after yourself. Thanks for that. Thanks as always. Mind yourself, Philip Nolan with the Irish Mail on Sunday. Actually, I, I remember, who doesn't remember the toasted cheese and ham or the toasted special? Um, way, way back along, years and years ago, out in White's Cross, uh, like there were pirates out there, ERI was out there, and then Radio South was out there in the early the early years of 96 FM were out there. But way back in the early, early days, primarily in the pirates, we used to often go in at lunchtime into the Fox and Hounds. We had a path beaten in there at lunchtime. They did uh, fabulous sandwiches and soup as well. I don't think the soup was homemade, to be honest with you. There was absolutely nothing wrong with it. It probably came out of a big, huge tin of air and catering packs. You know, those ones, uh, you know, creamy country vegetable or chicken and vegetable or... It was a great place to get oxtail soup, which you just can't get anymore, even though I know, listen, I know it's not homemade. It would be way too much hassle. It was powdered, but it was the biz. But they did the most fantastic toasted sandwich, just as Philip Nolan was describing it. But Elsie, who was the governor um, there at the time, um, the Phelan family, she was kind of like, um, and although Don Bloss and, and, and the Bloss family also worked there for a long, long time, um, uh, but anyway, they, they, the, the sandwich would be made first, right? Um, and then it would be put in, so you have the cheese and the ham and the tomato and the chopped onion and the butter or whatever you have in yourself. And then it would be closed up. And then it was put into this cellophane bag and the bag then was flipped around so it was completely and utterly sealed. And then you didn't have a toaster, but you had a kind of a grill, you know? Um, they're kind of moving grills now for toast. You'd see them, say, for instance, in, in hotels. But literally, it just went in on a kind of a rack and in it went... And everything got toasted, including the plastic bag, for instance. And you got to wonder about that now, how safe it would have been. But the most, and then it came out beautifully toasted and brown. And then it was up to you to take your life in your hands and try and open this ridiculously hot plastic bag and the molten contents inside in it without burning your fingers. And all of that accompanied by the most beautiful bowl of hot and piping oxtail soup. It was a job. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. On various people before the courts charged with cocaine possession and distribution on the guy on charges of cocaine rather than burden our prison system, could we just not deport them for life? Uh, back to where they came from, he's suggesting to serve sentence. Would, would they serve a sentence in their home country then, I wonder? Albanian men who are not Irish should be sentenced and deported back to Albania. This sometimes is not their first involvement in drugs. A criminal gang embarking in England known as the Helban, Ban, Hel, Helbanias are running a drug ring across Europe. 
If these men are bailed, they'll move elsewhere under a different name because they are ruthless. Uh, I don't think I've ever agreed with Jonathan and anything, but he's dead right regarding his point that people are getting kids to do all sorts for content on TikTok now, uh, from the egg challenge to the swear word trend and everything in between. It is horrific to see young children and young kids being filmed taking part in such trends and then having all of these trends posted online for all to see. Now, the egg challenge is where a person or a parent and a child are set up to go baking. Then, when they're cracking eggs into a bowl, the parent breaks an egg against the child's forehead. Um, That's... (laughs) To me, that's just a bit of fun. The swear word trend is where a parent films their child and tells them that they can say one swear word without getting into trouble. No, I wouldn't agree with that one. I mean, I really wouldn't agree with that one. And then lots on fat bottom girl, which will girls, which will we'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. But I was chatting there with regards to uh, Philip Nolan's conversation about noise or you know noise pollution. A lot of the time, it can be um, uh, yes, it can be adults. It can be in all sorts of different scenarios and places and what have you. But sometimes it's the children uh, who really are just given tech. It could be a phone. It could be a laptop. It could be a tablet. It could be something or other just to occupy themselves and the parents then are absolutely without any knowledge or, and, uh, you know, they don't notice the noise that their children might be making. But there was an article in RSVP Live there recently talking about, say, for instance, um, uh, weddings or events involving involving children. I was reading it at the weekend. It was saying um, this person was currently planning their wedding and the very common question I'm often asked is, will you be inviting any children? I <laughs> mean... I have seen um, some wedding invitations that kind of um, uh, vaguely is suggesting to the guests, you know, this is adults only, words along the lines of, uh, you know, wouldn't you like to use this opportunity just to take a break and come and recharge your batteries and have some adult conversations, just stopping short from saying no children allowed. Mind you, I don't know how you could bring children to a wedding if the invite is just for two. But any one of the people who contributed to it was uh, uh, the Cork singer-songwriter Fiona Kennedy. Fiona, good morning. Morning, Dean. How I, are you? I, good, because I know we spoke in the past, actually, about um, gigs where kids have just wrecked your head, climbing up on the stage and climbing up on the speakers and acting the nuisance. What, what, what are your thoughts on this, though? Children at, at weddings? Well, I suppose my involvement with weddings is at the ceremony stage, you know, for at the mass or the civil ceremony. That's where I would play. The, the weddings are my kind of day job. And I think it's a very divisive question, really. You know, somebody asks, are you going to bring children to the wedding? You can really offend people uh, by not having them bring their kids. And I think, like my experience is that kids can be fantastic at a ceremony anyway. They're, I mean, there's nothing cuter than the little bridesmaid, or the, you know, the little flower girl, I should say, or little page boy, and they can bring great a bit of sparkle and energy, but, like, they can also totally wreck your, your, your ceremony. So, with a little bit of cop on, I feel, you know, everything can be worked out. Because, like, weddings have changed, you know. Remember, like, 20 or 30 years ago, like, the wedding mass was just something to be got over, yeah. and off you went into the real part of the wedding. But nowadays, like, People put huge amounts of time. This, I mean, I spend hours with people going through songs and they're picking songs that really mean something to them and, that, you know, have songs that have had a meaning in their relationship right up to the point of them getting married. And, uh, like, the, the music is hugely important. And would and this be in the church in some cases or could it be in, yeah. in a hotel or something, in a civil oh. ceremony or something? 
Yeah, in both, because now in mass, you can, once you have hymns in the, hymns in the appropriate places, you can push. You know, you can put songs, particularly, you know, for your entrance and... Any kind of, Can you pick any song? Do they, do they don't get uh, any... Well, you have to have a bit of pop on there now as well, you know. Obviously, nothing that is going to offend anybody, particularly the priest. But, yeah, within reason, you can. There, there's huge... I mean, at this stage, I know songs that are going to work and songs that will translate to a ceremony. You know, some songs might sound great on Spotify just won't work in an acoustic setting for for a sort of a... a, a what's a the most... Song. I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I just kind of know. Yeah. What's the most popular wedding song played at a ceremony and where is it played? I would say at the moment, now, Neil, for me, it would be... Um, uh, I can't help falling in love with you, the Elvis one, as an entrance. Uh, I attribute it to that movie, Crazy Rich Asians, and there was a fabulous version of it on that which I kind of ripped off, and I do that for people, you know, wise men say as they walk up, and you, it, there's a lovely, there's a really cool version on the guitar, and uh, it, it's just gorgeous. That's the one, is it? Where is it played? You, that is played as the bride's walking up. Yeah, yeah, as the bridal party walks up, and then followed by the bride. That's kind of the key song for the bride anyway. And just again, here I am off now asking all sorts of daft questions, but who, who's walking the bride up the aisle? Now, I asked that recently because recently I was at a wedding in Istanbul, right? So it would have been, uh, uh, you know, a cross-religious wedding. But it was fantastically done, but you had two people getting married from two entirely different walks of life. They fell in love. But the m- mother and the father walked the bride into the ceremony. I thought that was fantastic. Lovely, yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that a few times. Mostly, I think 95% would be the bride walked up by the, her dad, usually, or else by her mum if the dad is not present or has passed away. I understand that, yeah, yeah. But so, yeah. by and large, it's still dad, is it? It is, really, yeah. yeah it actually is. The, the only place now, um, yeah, that, like, sometimes you'd see just, like, in a civil wedding, sometimes the bride chooses to just walk up herself and sometimes I've had the bride and groom, the, the future bride and groom like, the, the couple walk up together. Coming in you know, together the ceremony. Well. Yeah, so they are, so it is changing, isn't it? It really is changing more so now than it did for hundreds and hundreds of years. Is it a case yeah. that the bride who would come in on her own would say, well, nobody owns me I don't want anybody to give me away, I'm my own independent person. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's, uh, there's been a few of uh, uh, brides like that now, and that is exactly the reasoning, yeah. And it's great, like, for a, you know, in a civil wedding or a humanist wedding, whatever, it's, it's, yeah. it's great. There's yeah. a lot more scope. But, I, I mean, you can, I'm sure you could do it in the church as well. I, I don't think they'd mind. But for, like, this, these ceremonies, you know, couples do put a huge amount of effort into them nowadays and they are a very important part of the wedding now as opposed to long ago and it was just some old an organ in the corner and it wasn't really oh god so it's very if it's very rehearsed practiced and choreographed rsvp live is saying i don't know whether they're your words i think they are your words that kids can start talking running around and it can just ruin the romantic vibe so the kids are bored stiff fiona yeah yeah they're bored stiff and like if, if you, but if you just have some entertainment for them or somebody to mind them, particularly real smallies, like the real smallies tend to start either 
kind of running around and wanting to go up to the mum if if their parents are actually getting married. Yeah. <laughs> I had a terrible situation. I'm laughing now. It was a disaster, Neil. Oh my God! They gave this little boy a bar of chocolate. Oh, I no. think it must have been a young. It must have been a young girl that was minding him. You know. I kind of know where this is going. Going, yeah. yeah. Ran up and threw his arms around the mum in the dress, in the beautiful white dress. There was chocolate all over the place. She was trying to stay calm and kind of smiling through it. Oh, my God. It was the day of the heroic baby wipes and the photographer was having a canary about the pictures. Oh, man. But the only thing I can say about that is that will be one of the greatest memories in years to come, won't it? Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't have exactly. Imagine that child's 18th birthday. Yeah, the picture's coming up like at the party. But anyway, it's just a bit of cop on. Have a designated person to mind your kids and just entertain them and don't be afraid to bring them outside if they start roaring during the music that you've carefully chosen you know that you're paying me to sing for you or somebody of my ilk you know you just just bring them outside and let them have an old run around yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah that yeah. would solve everything what about giving them an iPad with the volume down say play with that now shut up and sit in the corner there you go plenty entertainment and it's easy to do but also the other thing is don't have somebody in the bridal party looking after the kids sometimes you know one of the bridesmaids is in charge of the kids and sure the bridesmaid could be busy up as a witness during something that you know during the signing of the register or whatever so it's got to be somebody that isn't invested in the actual ceremony at the time couple of other quick questions for you before I let you go Um, Fat Bottom Girls by Queen you're a musician the sanitisation of music is it moving too fast in the wrong direction? Totally absolutely agreed with most of your callers there this morning I was listening to it oh for heaven's sake give us a break like stop please get away from our music leave it alone you know, this PC stuff is just, oh, it drives me crazy. And very finally this morning, congratulations to your daughter, Ashling, who did Iron Man on Sunday. Uh, were you were you worried? Were you relieved? Uh, was, was she in any way concerned with regards to the swim, I wonder? Neil, oh my God, she was extremely concerned. Uh, this, this Iron Man thing has been huge in our house for the last, like, six months to a year she's been training along with her boyfriend Steve they've been you know flat out training and uh, she was in the horrors when she saw the water and the storm at first of all on Friday night so the tension was building I was playing down in Skibbereen at the Skibbereen Blues Festival and we were due to go to Yall on the Saturday morning go to the Ironman and then go down to Skibbereen and do the gig Yeah. so um, the next thing then I got a text from Ashling at 20 past 6 in the morning. They were staying in Yall overnight for the thing on Saturday for the Ironman and say it was cancelled. So she was highly relieved. We all thought, look, it'll be okay now on, on Sunday morning, you know. Yeah. Oh, my God. She said, I couldn't go then, but it was lucky that I wasn't able to go. We stayed overnight in Skibbereen um, after a great gig down there. Actually, it was brilliant. The festival was super. But um, I, I was... Getting, I, I got. I was following Ashling's progress on the Ironman app, where you can track your participant. Now, I didn't know that things were so bad down there. Thank God, I didn't know. So all of a sudden, I got a text from people saying that two men had lost their lives. So I went into complete panic mode at that stage. Ashling was out of the water by about five minutes before I got the first text. 
because other than that, I would have just totally freaked out. I can only imagine, yeah. You're oh, down in West God. Cork and she's away over in East Cork. You'd be petrified. It, there you go. Exactly. Did I mean, she I, say, because uh, I did read a quote somewhere saying on the screen here, she says, I can't get into that, but she did get in. She did. She was so focused. She said it was horrendous. It was really, really bad. She just pulled, she said, I pulled on all of my training, everything. I've been, you know, heading for everything. I was, you just had to be totally focused, she said, because, you know, I was saying, could you see other people in difficulty in or anything? Uh, did she? she? She said she just saw all she could see was these massive waves and everyone, everybody was flailing. She got a few digs in the head, a few digs in the legs, you know, legs and arms everywhere, which was the most dangerous, yes. she said. Yeah, we were yes. talking about that yesterday. That can happen. Somebody can grab you and everything, yeah. I know, and like what she said this morning, which really struck me, um, she said, I, I never thought I could lose my life in this. It never even entered my mind, and it never entered my mind either as her mum. But now it's thrown a whole other thing over over the Iron Man. Yeah, I know. And I know. she just focused. She got out past the waves. She said once she was past the waves, she was okay. And she powered it back in then. The swim was obviously the thing she was most dreading. After that, then she was on a high because she was so thrilled that she got through the swim and had no idea of the tragedy until the end. And she said it threw a huge dark cloud over everybody, really, you know. They were all so delighted to, to have achieved it but like this news then hit them all and that's why very much divided then people have divided as to whether the whole event firstly the swim as to whether it should have happened at all and secondly whether the rest of Ironman should have been cancelled after the double tragedy you know yeah they said the swim should have been cancelled herself and Steve said Absolutely, okay. they, okay. the swim should have been cancelled. Okay. It was madness. She did it, she got through it, and uh, she lived to tell the tale, thankfully. Fiona, thanks so much. Congratulations to Ashling. Thank you for taking the call, as always. Could I mention, Neil, that I have a new album out? It's yeah. called Find Me. And it's my new album, and it's my first album of all original music. And uh, I've just finished a big tour for it, and hopefully I'll have a gig in Cork now in September. And Fun- what's the album called, Finally? Called. Find, no, no, find me. Find me, sorry, just the line broke up a bit. Okay, well, let me know when the gig is happening and we'll push the gig for you when you've got the location sorted and everything. Congratulations on Thanks that. Thanks so much. Will. All right, girl, Thank take you. care we for now. We sold out Sea Church a couple of months ago, so it was great. That's a great location. Of course you would sell out Sea Church. You have the talent to sell out Sea Church. Take care of yourself. Right. Thanks, Fiona. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Yes, indeed, he texts 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I was only down in Ardmore recently, and I think it would make an ideal location for the Ironman event. It's less than 20 minutes from Yall and has an ideal huge beach with no rocks from the start to the end for a swim event. Just thinking, says Tony and Douglas. Uh, morning. Y'all locals are wondering why the route was ever changed compared to where 2019 was meant to be. Irrespective of the strong waves, the current in the part of the sea where the route was changed to is treacherous. The run route was also altered to make the finish line in the centre of town on the doorstep of a few different public houses compared to 2019. Uh, this aspect may partly answer my question, RIP to both men, awful tragedies. Um, then on uh, different topics from earlier on this morning, including uh, getting paid with a pay packet and getting cash in it. You mentioned people getting paid by wage packet and pay slip. It brought back memories to me. We worked on the North Main Street 
and every Thursday we'd get paid. We would replace the money in the wage packet with coins and a note and drop it on the street. (laughs) We would then observe from the shop and see people kicking it before they picked it up and legging it down the road looking to see if anyone was watching. You could have a prank section on your show daily to brighten up our days. That was a kind of a simple old prank, wasn't it? They, you know, pick it up, realize this money and, and they leg it then to keep it. You know, you're talking about stories from yesteryear. It's an interesting one that a buddy of mine, Kieran Barry, shared with me from a chap by the name of Tom, Tom O'Connell. He was talking about Cork City's golden days. And he says in his post, he says, I was walking over the Nano Nagel footbridge last Saturday to my car parked on Sullivan's Quay. And I looked over at Sober Lane and I thought about when we'd go there to watch the blacksmiths putting new shoes on the horses when we were young. Then a thought struck me. Where did the horse head that was, if memory serves me, uh, on the wall of Sullivan's Key School go to? The horse's head. Then I thought about the many other objects that disappeared that were part of our history and heritage. The Dunscombe Fountain at the end of Shandon Street. The many horse troughs that were in and around the city, the busman's hut on Patrick Street, and many other things that older people like myself would fondly remember but couldn't show to our children or grandchildren. That's interesting. There are still some uh, horse troughs uh, in the city. Um, I think there's one there by uh, Marketplace, you know, not too far from uh, the two pubs there, and not not a, not a huge stretch away from, say, for instance, uh, Anglesey Garden Station. I think, I think... There's one up in St. Luke's, a horse trough. Um, I think also there are a few dog troughs knocking around. There's a Madri trough on Patrick Street. To answer one or two questions that you asked, though, the Dunscombe Fountain was at the bottom of Shandon Street. And for some reason, when some kind of work was being done in that area, where they made it a little island area, it was taken away for safekeeping, right? It was put into uh, Cork Corporation stores or into the yard. And from there, it absolutely, 100% just disappeared. Now, the story that I was told was that it ultimately is in somebody's back garden, um, that they filched it or acquired it and installed it in their own back garden. And that's where it lays now. And it's been there for many long years. Um, the good people of the north side used to use the Dunscombe Fountain to do their washing and do their laundry inside in it. And uh, there's some gorgeous black and whites. Um, so it's gone. The... The horse, the, sorry, not the horses, but the busman's shelter. For a long, long time, uh, that was on Patrick Street and it was originally uh, used by firemen. And then ultimately over the years, then it changed in use and it became the busman's shelter and everything. You could go in there. They kept the bus rolls in there and they kept all of the different bits and pieces that bus drivers and conductors needed. But you could also go in there to get a copy of the the bus timetable or check in with an inspector to find out what time the next bus was going and it was from whence the inspector would come out with a whistle at 11.15 of an evening and blow the last bus and all the buses would just leg it from all over Patrick Street to the four corners of the city. But anyway, that busman's shelter for a long time then, because it was taken away when um, Beth Galley did her thing and destroyed the Patrick Street and Grand Parade area with, with, the, with the renovations that she did to them, destroy them. It was put up uh, to Fitzgerald's Park. Uh, I was cycling up there about six weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and I went looking for it in the gated area that was open one day, and I went in there and I couldn't find it. Now, I looked and looked and looked. Uh, there are a lot of porta cabiny type things in there, but to the best of my knowledge, and I'm open to correction, I 
didn't spot the busman's shelter in there in spite of looking. So at this point in time, I have no idea where it's gone. Perhaps somebody might be able to enlighten me. Text 0868 104 106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Yeah, Maria, you're right. The ever-changing world of what's acceptable and not acceptable has even affected a box of rice. Did you know that rice is now called Ben's Original as the title Uncle Ben's was classified as offensive? Uh, yes, indeed, yeah, I do know that. And that was also one that uh, got changed. Can I just mention, uh, there's a story making the uh, news there with Lana O'Connor from Kilcully Cemetery. And I see that Ken O'Flynn now is uh, wanting to pass a motion at city council level in the light of recent disturbances up at Kilcully Cemetery. And he wants to change the rules and tighten up the rules there because he says... The article in the news this morning says the people visiting St. Catherine's Cemetery in Kilcully say they've had to take beer cans off their loved ones' graves. It comes as there have been complaints of people revving their car. This is some audio, actually, which has been posted online and shared with me. And this audio is from a funeral, right? So it comes as there have been complaints of people revving their cars, drinking and urinating in the graveyard. It's also been calls to stop any vehicles that aren't needed for funerals or maintenance from entering the cemetery. Respects uh, to somebody in a graveyard, and there's a funeral going on at the same time. You're listening to this kind of carry on. So that's um, burning rubber, right? That's where uh, you rev the living daylights out of a car with the brakes on, the wheels spin, and you literally burn rubber. And there are like clouds and clouds and clouds and clouds of burning rubber smoke. On one or two occasions, then the cars actually take off down through Kilcully at high speed. Uh, and sadly, this was all part and happening while the funeral was going on as well. This. Kilcully Cemetery. saying that he was contacted by constituents who are said to be very, very upset trying to pay their respects for loved ones to come across disturbing scenes like this. Many were left in tears due to the conditions they encountered. Um, in light of the events, he wants City Council to stop all of this stuff and to restrict vehicle access. Also to restrict, say, for instance, horses, um, unless they are just part of the funeral ceremony for a short period of time. He also wants things like karaoke machines to not be allowed, the use of stereo equipment, any kind of musical equipment limited to the burial ceremony um, uh, in itself, but not to be part of it or to be a big, big part of the, the funeral where it's causing all sorts of undue interference into everybody else. But that was a funeral there, actually some video footage and audio that was shared of a funeral from Kilcully recently. Um, it's just, I don't know, man, the world is just changing. You can call this tradition and you can call this part of an acceptable funeral um, arrangement or an acceptable, acceptable protocol when it comes to burying or saying goodbye to a loved one. But uh, maybe, maybe I'm the one that's getting it all wrong. Maybe we live in a world now where you can do whatever you want and just get on with anything and it's nobody's business in the first place. Anyway, I hope to have an opportunity to talk to Ken O'Flynn on that when he's available. It possibly could be tomorrow morning. Um, but I suppose, you know, you look at the way things are going from a religious perspective, everything is absolutely changing so, so quickly. Isn't it true? Uh, we'll come back to that. Text 0868 104 106. Um, back to the phone lines we go. Mick, good morning. 
God morgon. Och jag kunde se jag var en man där jag var en där bort det det jag har men det var det weekend. Ja. Så all 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 they really had to do the argument for ask anybody from a fellow from children from 10 years of age up to 90 or 100 doning all would that be safe enough to swim and they tell you no. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. triathlon yeah. Ireland, triathlon Ireland told them on that morning, early in the morning, yeah. that it wasn't safe to yeah. swim, and they still no. continued no. with it. Yeah, I've gone down there now for over forty years down there, and if I used to go, you go fishing there on the key wall there by the keys there, right? And if you cast, if the tide is going up and you cast out, by the time you blink. Your weight and your bait will be brought in by the side of the wall on your right hand side again. Such as the you know current and the tide, do. Yeah, yeah. The current and the tide. Unreal. Yeah. And I like, and then you where they went in to sort of be rough now from the waves coming in. But the minute you do turn left to go up long, you're fighting a losing battle there. Even yeah. the fishermen, right? The fishermen time it to go up there so that the tide is either in or nearly in. Do you know what I mean? Because I'll go up by the side of the bank of the river, go up by the bank, so they wouldn't be caught in the, the middle of the, the stream or the estuary. You understand me? And and a turning tide as well. But they they would have needed Only, enough. They would have needed a lot more time than a turning tide, like because there was thousands well, of people the going. O- the only time you can fish there is an hour before or an hour afterwards. That's the only time you can fish anywhere along the quay there. Otherwise, you might as well forget it. Whether the tide is coming in or going out. Now, obviously, if the tide was coming in, they'd have a better chance and they'd have more help coming in. But the tide was going out and tr- it did trap. So you think common sense should have been taken into play here? A bit of cop on well, knowing this that... This is it. it. The, the, the young guys down in the yard, the kids down in the yard, I mean, the old people know themselves, the kids, they'd be jumping off the pier and everything. But they wouldn't be jumping off the pier that Sunday because it's too, it was too dangerous. The tide was too, too strong. Do you understand me? But Ironman is a tough challenge. It's a tough competition. It's down to personal um, responsibility as well, you know? That's, that, that's grand. But they, obviously, they must never take it in the account of the strong tide when it's going down there. Yeah, it's enough. like a bottle. You have, you have, right, you have the, a big bottle, right? But you have a small neck. And the force of that water is coming down that thing, down the, the middle of the street. You have no chance. All right. Okay. No chance whatsoever. No chance indeed. Thanks for that, mate. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. All right, lots on the changes to, say, for instance, the fairy tales. The Pied Piper of Hamlin is now being labelled a paedophile. I visited Hamlin. They celebrate the story every day, the story of which was first mentioned in the town's records back in the 13th century, says Pat. Uh, Hi, Neil. You do know that the colours black and white exist outside of skin colour, don't you? In this regard, they have more to do with darkness and light or purity and decay than they do at all with the colour of someone's skin, as in darkness um, and light do um, have other functions than just calling somebody's skin colour. The world has gone stone mad. Wouldn't you be sick of all this political correctness? I heard recently that they want to axe three blind mice because the farmer's white cut, cut off their tails. Give me a break. Red Riding Hood, Billy Goat's Gruff, the list is endless. How do we survive all of the trauma? Uh, people are taking offence over Snow White and many of the books and songs. Yes, it's okay for books with information such as 
eating poo, dating apps, uh, touching themselves, touching others and all sorts of sexual activity. Backwards and sick is what people are getting. You can't say boo now. We've been living in an open asylum for a few years and it's going from bad to worse. Why haven't the snowflakes who wanted to change the original film scripts attacked the likes of Jaws for being a swimming health or a safety issue or the film She's the Man? Maybe they're waiting for the latter to be contested by the recent book protesters, says Philip. Uh, She's the Man is a movie about a girl who poses as a boy to imitate her brother at his boarding school and takes his place on the boys' soccer team. I'm quite sure people will find that offensive. Uh, It's social media that has the world effect. It's a world, uh, it's a wonder the word fairy hasn't been written out of all the old books as our doll was a place of a big row recently when somebody was insulted by the use of the word fairy. That was the then Taoiseach Lee Varadkar suggesting that Michael Healy Ray used the term airy fairy as a homophobic remark. Remember, uh, here Healy Ray said to Varadkar, off you go with the airy fairies. It was during a discussion about, uh, I think, liquid gas or something, and uh, Lee Varadkar saw that as homophobic, whereas Michael Healy Ray didn't. Um, it was kind of a colloquial term from rural Ireland. Snow White wasn't a weak woman. She bossed around seven men, well ahead of her time. Cinderella had a prince chasing her who was so madly in love with her that he could have been a podiatrist. <laughs> Ariel had men, women and fish on both land and sea chasing her and she ruled them all. The list goes on about powerful women. On Snow White, the seven dwarfs didn't live in a cave, they lived in a house. Snow White cleaned the house for the dwarfs while they worked in the mine. Get it right, Neil, for God's sake, will you? Yeah, I think I, I think I inadvertently say that they lived in a cave. They lived in the house and they worked in a cave. They had a grand job, actually, mining for diamonds. Snow White isn't okay anymore, but this book is gay, is absolutely fine. What's going on in this here world? So keep those common texts to 868 And yet, things continue to change. And I'm wondering whether it's uh, all for the right or all for the wrong. I was reading recently uh, where they were saying within the Catholic Church and parishes in Ireland that lay people could be actually conducting funerals in the near future due to a serious shortage of priests. I actually did see, uh, I think it was Sean O'Rourke, the, the broadcaster, was up the country at the time. I think he may have been up giving a speech at Knock, I believe, and he was urging young people to consider a life of religious vocation. But if you look at an awful lot of the diocese of Ireland now, an awful lot of Irish Catholic priests, like over a third of them, are over the age of 60. There's like 2,100 priests now working across 2,500 parishes. I don't know what a typical example would be in Cork, but in Galway, you'd have 40 parishes with only 20 priests So the old saying of a priest and a parish was never truer than it is these days. Uh, Father Tim Hazelwood is the parish priest of Killer and he joins me by phone. Father Tim, good morning. Good morning. Um, Where where is this going when they say that it actually could be uh, private citizens conducting funerals because of lack of of, of priests? Is that true? Um, I suppose it's it's a possibility. It's more than a possibility because you've... you've, um, mentioned the statistics. Uh, the reality is that uh, there's going to be a cultural change in that, do you know the way we'd have a removal the day after a person dies or, uh, and then you'd have the funeral the day afterwards? Physically, that just won't be possible because there won't be a priest available. So either, either a postponement until such time as 
uh, a priest available to say a mass. And I suppose this affects especially uh, the older community because for for them, uh, for us, I, myself in that age bracket, mass was always part of the funeral liturgy, and and that was that's going to be very very difficult if it if, if it needs to happen uh, without mass. But I think there will be funeral services without funeral masses. So it's a cultural change. Just well, I, I can see, I can see the sense in what you're saying because if mm. if over if, if over a third, that's over th- maybe thirty five percent of Irish priests mm. are over the age of sixty. Um, how long can they remain in active service? That's, that's a good question. Is that sixty five? No, it could be a lot older, can't it? Oh, it can, and a lot of priests. Usually now, it's about seventy five that a priest would retire at. And uh, many parishes are being run by priests in their seventies, but it's and, and, and like, it, like it sounds kind of very kind of black, black and white. If I use that, you know, that you say to a person, "We can have the funeral on such a day, or we can't have it on another day." But there's so much involved. You know, you're talking to a family when they've lost a loved one, and trying to explain to somebody that you physically can't do it on such a day. It's very difficult. Uh, and that's why I think it's great that this conversation is happening now when there isn't that emotional involvement. But it's and not just like the funeral. Point. You also talk mm. about the removal and not just the removal. There would have been very much part of the tradition in Ireland would have been the last rites, wouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah. All of those things have changed. Um, and it's getting harder. And like uh, the beauty of, of the job of, of being a priest is that you're there at those special moments in people's lives and you know that's your help and a support, and it's a very spiritual time. People have questions, and uh, and now we have less time for that. Like I'd always love to have called to a person maybe a few weeks after the funeral, but you moved on. There's another one, and there's another one, and and I know in some of the parishes, especially in the city, where you'd have a lot of an older population, you could have four, five, six funerals a week. Now that's Emotionally and spiritually, that's very hard going. But like, you know, isn't it? Try your best yeah, to be there you present. can't be in all places at one time. But isn't it the church's own fault? Like, there are lots of men, uh, married men. There are lots of women who would mm. love to be able to perform all of the rituals, but yet the church has this celibacy rule, and they're just not interested in them. Well, this is one of the questions. Like at this day and age, that fifty percent of the population are excluded from from a role. It's not. I don't think it's going forward. I don't think people will accept that anyway. Uh, but at the moment, like especially in Cork Diocese, there are funeral teams that the removal and the prayers at the cemetery, people are doing that. They people are doing it. And so it's, uh, you mean you'd actually go into a funeral home where there wouldn't be a priest? Yes. Yeah, that's happening now. Yeah. And um, the priest would, would maybe receive the remains, or, or maybe not. That would be a layperson would receive the remains in the church and the priest would come and say the Mass and the layperson would actually do the prayers at the graveyard as well. It's going to have to come to me because we're just not there. You know, if people, if that's what... And, and it's, it's not as if people are not allowed to do that, you know. You don't have to be ordained to do those services yeah. in the church. And do you think that it's the, our mindset. Do you think that, that the bosses in Rome and the Vatican from the Pope down, that they were aware of the crisis? I, I presume they are, but I suppose it's there's a big kind of. You were on earlier about kind of the cultural wars that are going on now. You know, what's acceptable, what's not, and within the church is a political organisation too, in many ways. In that, you know, some people want to go back to the old, old traditional way. Others want lay people 
taking, you know, by our baptism, we're full members of the church. Therefore, you know, we're entitled to do an awful lot of these services in the church. And, and so, as you say, some people would love uh, to do that and would be great. And, it's also oh, reading that retired priests, retired priests were called back in older age to perform some of the ceremonies and funerals. funerals. Um, is the same said about wedding ceremonies? Well, again, that's going to be the case. But nowadays people choose. Some people have it in the church. Some, some would have a, a wedding without a mass. So, and it's going to be the case. That's going to be... It's, if, if the numbers are as you've quoted, then that's going to be the case. There's going to be less... So it's cultural change. It's like all the other things that have changed in Ireland. This is another one. Are there many open manuth now, Tim, do you think? Very few. We've only got, I think, two students. I think Dublin Dice is 100 and... Is this, they, they've cut down their number of parishes from 199 to 160-something, and I think they have one or two students. So like that. Are you saying there's two students possibly in Manuth? For, for Dublin, for, for a Klein diocese, we have 48 parishes and we have two students. And that's over 10 years, you know, so there will be no ordination. So it isn't as if we're talking about something that might happen. This is happening. Yeah, yet, yet you know, in the census. But it's opportunity to me, like it's, you know, like in the past, the church has survived 2,000 years and it will survive again. And that's where people, women, will take their place, rightful place in the church, and it will be... Do you think that's inevitable at some stage then? Well, I think if we want the church to survive, you know, that means that, that we have to follow what, where God is leading us. And obviously the fact that men are not coming forward for the priesthood is telling us something, you know. I know, I know. It's um, like I know of many parishes that uh, share masses. I'm sure it's happening right across County Cork. It's certainly happening across County Kerry that you might have, um, like you could have the most fantastic, big, beautiful church, but you'd only have a mass in it every third Saturday kind of thing, you know? That's in Limerick now. There's groups of parishes together, and I know one of the churches, they have mass on a Friday night for the weekend. They have no Sunday mass or Saturday. They have to have it on a Friday night to include it. You know, you know, you know, with regards to respect, certainly with regards to funerals, and I don't know whether you're across this because I'm probably springing it on you for the first time. But this was this was a funeral I was referencing that happened recently up in Kilcully, and I played some of the audio of cars revving revving in the actual graveyard and tires burning. Um, I actually got an email from somebody who came across it that were in there, um, you know, paying their respects to a loved one, and they were horrified to see the carry-on of one particular funeral. Is that becoming more prevalent now? Well, I, I, I haven't experienced it. But again, it's, it, it, it's, I think it reflects on a kind of a, a cultural change as well in that I think of the uh, younger people, not as many would go to, would, would attend church, or, you know, that, that they pay their respects differently. And obviously, this is a young lad who once, who I don't, probably was into cars and stuff like that. And, you know, people want to show support or, and that's their way. Now, it doesn't fit in maybe with everybody else and could be upsetting. I could see inside in the graveyard. But, um. So I would regard it as being totally unacceptable inside in the graveyard, to be honest yeah. with you. You know, I really yeah. do. Well, that's, yeah, it's. A difficult one. Yeah, it is indeed. Well, there could be passing new bylaws at Cork City Council to prevent any of this carry-on. Thanks for taking the call, Tim. As okay. always, Father Tim Hazelwood, Parish Priest in Killa. I spoke with someone earlier in relation to the events that took place in Kilcully on the 
a date that you mentioned in July. Firstly, the footage on TikTok is extremely upsetting and distressing for family members of loved ones that were laid to rest in this cemetery. It is the responsibility of Cork City Council uh, to ensure that all family members of loved ones that were laid to rest have the respect shown to them that they deserve. The public order offences that took place in St. Catherine's Cemetery and that have been later shared on social media shows not only a complete lack of respect, but shows that Cork City Council do not have adequate resources to deal with this. The response from Council yesterday evening was not acceptable. We were informed as such that it is a very difficult thing to manage when there is a large crowd and that there are not enough resources at hand to manage them. It implies that there has been a precedent set that if a large funeral, there is no rules, you're welcome to do as you please with no consequences, which we've seen firsthand not only on that Saturday but on numerous previous occasions. There's a total disregard of how this affects family members of loved ones laid to rest and indeed the local residents around the graveyard. There needs to be regulations in place to prevent anything like this happening again. Vehicles, horses, fireworks, musical equipment and alcohol should not be allowed past cemetery gates and have absolutely no place in a cemetery. And that from a local by email to neil at redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Just back to that post that was shared with me regarding horse troughs and um, the Dunscombe Fountain and the horse's head on Sullivan's Quay and indeed the busman's shelter. The last update I can find from this is uh, JJ, O'Donohue, JJ O'Donohue on... Um, on Tripe and Rasheen was talking about a visit that he paid up to Fitzgerald's Park and he shared some photographs of what was, um, you know, the the last remains of the busman's shelter, if you like, and he described it as the hut badly damaged in a fire and vandalised since it was removed, since it was moved to uh, Fitzgerald's Park. And, and really, uh, that photograph sums it up for me. It is just absolutely and totally and utterly wrecked and trashed and burnt. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually gone now following the photographs that were taken earlier this year. Um, I've opened a correction. I'm assuming I was in the right area of Fitzgerald's Park looking for it, but I couldn't find it. But if anybody knows where it is, certainly after the vandalism and indeed the fire to it, it is totally and utterly wrecked. It bears very little resemblance to how it did in its heyday. And I think it was originally built in the, uh, I think it was a glass, I think it was a Glasgow firm built it in the 1890s. But a little bit more digging on that one. We might talk to Tripe and Trishine again, see if we can get an update on it because, um, you know, we need to mine these things. We really do because uh, when they're gone, they're gone and that would be tragically sad. Perhaps it's gone already. Anyway, text 0868104106 if you have any info that could lead us on the right track. Uh, Robert, good morning. Morning. Um, talking there about lack of priests, the priests without a parish or the parishes without priests. Your thoughts? Yeah. Okay, there's one thing now before we go into that, Neil. You said there you didn't like the sound of the cows revving down in the graveyard at all, so I must pull you in that there because like that obviously was somebody that was into cows and there's nothing, if you're into cows, Neil, there's nothing more kind of exciting to hear an engine revving, you know? And like the, the, those engines, that engine was revving up to the limiter. And like to people who are into the motorsport side of our cars, Neil, that's just like, you know what I mean? That's where it is there. So, Hang on a second. Are you, so are you saying that it is acceptable to drive in uh, no, no, a car no, like no, that? Park, well, it up next to a, park it up next to a grave and rev the BJs out of it and burn the rubber <laughs> on the tyres? Well, is, I, see, I don't know. I wasn't there. But all I know is that the, the sound was... Obviously, it was an engine being revved to the limiter. 
It wasn't, there was no wheel spinning, there was no tyre spinning. That engine was the car was stopped stationary and being revved to the limit. But for whose benefit is that being done? No disrespect now, but the, the, the person... I would think myself, Neil, to the benefit of the person who deceased in their memory, they were into cars and they loved hearing the sound of an engine revving and it was just people paying their respects in their own way. And that's just my opinion now, and I'm just sorry I had to pull you on it. Okay, yeah, but there are a lot okay. of other graves around there, and there are an awful lot of other people who might be in there um, just paying respects to their loved ones. Do they have to tolerate uh, well, that? Well, kind of fair enough. Well, okay, you're right in that respect. It is a place of sanctuary. It is a, uh, you know, a restful place and graveyard. And probably in that, that point, yes. But... Sure like somebody liked mean, a few pints, would it be acceptable to set up a bar at the side of the grave and have a session? Oh, you know something, Neil? It might be a bad idea, like, <laughs> you know, it probably has been done. It have a bit, of, li- have a bit of live music, bring in a band and everything, or bring in a karaoke machine or something. It, it probably think? has been done, Neil, you know, as people pay their respects in all different ways. Anyway, getting back to the point, and Neil, right. I, 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 I enjoyed it at that last uh, speaker, the, the priest. Tim Hazel, and, um, yeah. He, he did, I, did he mention um, women at all by any chance? Absolutely, I, totally and utterly mentioned women, married men. Nuns, actually, is another thing. Why aren't the nuns pulled in for, for active duty? Yeah, well, I think myself... Like, Sorry, losing you there, Robert. Sorry, Neil, but coming from a church in the background, as you know, um, where there's women priest, priests um, for a good number of years now and doing massive work, you know, and then in Cork City alone, Neil, it's a lot of lot of priests now, let's say, directors would be, say, we'll say, send in, send in whatever, uh, a lady priest. Yeah. Um, Caragoran. A, a, a lot of them around now would have um, women as priests yeah. as, as the main person. You know? A lot more inclusive, I suppose, than the Catholic 100%. faith. I'm mean, like, with a, with a family funeral, there is, you know, uh, actually a lady who taught you in Ashton and she often spoke about you. Who's that? And she, uh, Mrs. Warner. What, I don't remember her. Was she, did she pass away? Oh, she did, yeah. I, we buried her about six weeks ago. She oh, my God. Was she, she would have been an incredible age. 97, Neil. Mrs. Warner, I remember her in Ashton. Yeah, she also would have been. Yeah, she was kind of like she. She was, um, she was an austere enough woman, but she was. Oh yeah. You know, oh she, yeah. Like she, 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 she ruled the roost. She laid down the law. Yeah, but she often talked about you. Did I she? Often, I mentioned it to you, but on air, but then I look. I wouldn't have thought she'd even remember me. I thought it'd have been a, just oh. a speck of dust in her eye. Yes. No, she, often talked about you because we often talked about you, the two of us, and um, a great woman, but. At her funeral on Caragoranil, there's with two two female priests took the service, and they were excellent, absolutely excellent. That's so amazing. I think, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm saddened to hear that. I'm also surprised that I thought that she would have been gone from us a long time, but 97 no. years old. Well done. She's my second cousin, Neil. She'd, she'd been my father's first cousin. Oh my God, that brings back memories. It certainly does. It certainly does. Yeah, but ulti- 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 yeah, go on. Pardon? I'm just saying, ultimately, the Catholic Church is going to have to take some um, crisis action because well, you, know, I think so, you won't be able to bury people otherwise. Yeah, and, and it's obvious, like, the one simple fix is to bring in female um, lady or women, sorry, women priests, and, you know, 
they're quite capable of doing the job just as good as a man and that's that's the way it has gone and the Church of Ireland Church is perfect Alright, appreciate it well done, thanks for that nice one text 0868104106 with regards to my conversation with Philip Nolan earlier on it was an interesting one somebody says it was down the local trying to enjoy a pint with a few of my pals last weekend it's Bob with Grub he does Carvery quiet enough place most days but there was a family there and the kids were both at the table on their tablets now, it's not for me to judge what they do at mealtime, but they both had the sound blaring, both kids, to the point where the waiter actually had to ask them to turn it down. I find it the same if I'm on buses, trains, or even in waiting rooms. Is it too much to ask anymore for people to wear bloody earphones if they're playing games, listening to music on the devices? Should it be mandatory to wear ear- earphones in public places? Well, it's about respect, actually, isn't it? And... Uh, and it's about noise pollution and not annoying people that are around you. Like it's not, you know, you see people and they have the phone on, speaker phone, and they're holding blaring loud conversations with somebody on the phone and they're roaring into it. Do they realise that they're not the only people in the world? I had two dreadful experiences on the Cork to Dublin Go bus. It's a fantastic service, but each time I've been on it, people have full-blown loud phone calls that seem to last the whole journey. One guy had two phones on the go and had multiple business conversations the whole way to Dublin. Can somebody please explain to me why anybody in their right mind would need or want two mobile phones. Personally, I think that, yes, it should be mandatory out of respect for the rest of the passengers on public transport. Nobody wants to hear other people's music or whatever it is they're listening to. The big issue here is respect, but unfortunately that is a very rare thing these days. Um, Another one or two on this one. Another point to make is about all the restaurants and cafes who play background music way too loudly. Can we not just have quiet spaces anymore? Uh, Leave your car at home, they say. Take the bus, they say. Within five minutes on the bus, you'll get a barrage of loud phone conversations, the ping-ping of phone messages, and the noise of football matches and YouTube. Then you'll opt for your car next time and every time, believe me. It is so the same on the Cork to Dublin train. It's unreal. Common courtesy is a thing of the past. If it's if it starts and you're sitting next to somebody and you haven't even left the train station, it must be an awfully, awfully ominous thought that, oh my God, I'm going to have this for two and a half hours. Um, let me get back to the phone lines if you don't mind. I've got a WhatsApp call as well. I'll do it in a second, but just hold on. John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, um, on the churches, they're going to have yeah. to make serious... Well, the Catholic churches anyway, right? Yeah, listen to, to uh, Father Hazelwood there. Um, I think great use would have to be made of nuns and religious brothers. Nuns, yeah, they'd be well up for it, wouldn't they, the nuns? Of course they would. A day will come when we'll have women priests again. If you read the Acts of the Apostles, uh, a lot of the early Christian meetings were conducted by women and convened by women. But it was only when religion was officially recognized as the uh, religion of the Roman Empire by Constantine yeah. that you had the Roman macho mentality taking over and um, making men... The, the, uh, kind of a, a power structure with men, you know? Why? Why? why was there Roman a fear thing. within the Catholic Church for hundreds and hundreds of years and perhaps still with us that if yeah. priests were allowed to marry... Um, yeah. and they got a parish and they got a house that came with it they would have a wife and they would have children and that it would cost the church an awful lot of money because the house would be lost to the wife and to the children 
and the wills would kick in and uh, there would be all sorts of implications for the Catholic Church. So if they kept them single and celibate, they didn't have that baggage to worry about. Yeah, I see that a point. But I mean, so the Church of Ireland has married clergy and they're able to manage. Doctors have wives and they're able to manage. I mean, that's a kind of a nonsense argument, I think. Like, uh, really, we should make more use as well as lay people. Uh, an ordinary layman can become a deacon and they can conduct a lot of the business that priests do, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then as regards mass, if you can't have mass, a lay person like a deacon or a nun or a religious brother can conduct a scripture session and distribution of Holy Communion. It's the same consecrated host that's been distributed to the people as they receive it. Yeah, but are they going to, in any way, shape or form, going to be able to attract more people into the priesthood, do you think? It's a problem of their own making. They just set their face against the the solutions are there, but they're constantly saying, oh, well, isn't it awful? We have no young men going to the priesthood. Okay. The Holy Spirit is trying to convey something to them, but they're not listening. Okay, okay. Finally, I've got one fast call this side of midday, and we'll pick up the conversations in the morning. Caroline's on WhatsApp. Caroline, good morning. Morning. Okay, um, go go ahead there because you're you're coming back to respecting graveyards, isn't it, and in, in cemeteries? Yeah, absolutely. I think we all um, have to respect our dead and all that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing is, um, you know, we all have different cultures. Um, I have my culture, um, which is sometimes to go over and. Um, maybe play a little bit of music at, um, from the car and I'd be like because oh, my brother uh, he was 29 when he died so I, I'm like you know I, I like that that's fun that is um, solace for me how do you how um, do you do that without wishing to pry you you play a bit of music near the grave is it or, or how does that work yes we're, um, we're actually blessed where he is buried that I can kind of go over that little bit far Um but now t- I have to do a, a, a. I definitely passed my test a hundred times <laughs> because I have to do a three-point turn every time I come back. So out. you play a few tunes that your late brother might like, is it? Exactly, I play a few tunes. I, I um, then I might meet the family um, at the grave. Um, you know, um, it, because we're a small community, um, I might meet uh, and. They, um, they're delighted that there's, you know, that we're treating our dead as if, um, th- like, and I know he's still with me, and they are still with us, but... Um, and Your sister would have another it. ritual where she'd go up and smoke a fag, because they used to have a fag together, is it? <laughs> she, go, she goes up and um, she might take um, her dog and um, do, now, on, on his lead, obviously, and, um yeah, and she'd go in, she'd have a cigarette and she'd have a chat. With but him. sure, that's uh, lovely. And and listen, if somebody it. used to have a glass of whiskey or a can of beer with a pal who passed away, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going up and drinking nothing a can of beer at the grave. Oh, and, and, I, I but not, not a full-blown party or using it as a dumping ground oh, or a place God, for, no. No, for no, peeing no. or pooing like, or my, revving my, cars. I mean, listen, yeah, listen, to it. listen to it. Listen to it. This is inside in Kilcully. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a bit much, all right. Um, no, uh, my car is a regular car. I don't go over revving or anything like that. But 
I like to open the door of the car. Uh, he's a couple of graves down and play a few tunes and sit there and whatever. Um, no, um, and that makes that makes me uh, feel closer to my brother, you know, because I was really close. To I him respect that. I respect life, that. I you know? respect that. Um, okay. And and I was just going to say my sister's name now, but I won't. All right, girl. Uh, well, let's pass on her regards to us. She goes over and has a cigarette. Um, it's the best thing ever as well she finds you comfort know. and solace out of it okay she does, yeah. thanks so much Caroline thank you I'll pick up on this in the morning promise you that but this is it this is the smoke and tyres spinning and rubber burning and all sorts of stuff I'll pick up on this in the morning and lots more besides get involved in the conversation this is the where we're living in text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 0818104106 you can always email if you have a story to share and I'll never give out personal information if you don't wish me to do so email neil at redfm.ie it's um, time to wrap up and with that very important phone number 0818104106 we have some more wonderful family passes to give away as we shoot through the remaining weeks of August where did the summer go and they're talking about primary schools back next week oh my god so we've got five family passes to give away for Cork Harbour Boat Hires Self-Drive Boat Tour. These are great fun. You get one hour. You're driving the little boats yourself. You get full training before you set out. Each of the boats can accommodate five people. They also do rib tours, sailing tours, corporate events, but you'll be on Cork Harbour and a beautiful place to be. So we have five of these family passes to give away. Each one is for a family to head out onto the water for an hour with Cork Harbour Boat Hire Self-Drive Boat Tours. While that's happening, I also have five passes to give away for UCC Campus Tours given to us from the Visitor Centre at UCC. Again, for all of the family, you will see so many hidden gems in the Cork City UCC Campus. General members of the public might well be unaware of so much. It's a lot more to it than just the Aula Maxima, um, but that's important, or the Ohm Stone Corridor, or the President's Garden, and the Honan Chapel. There's a lot more to be seen up there. So we have family passes to give away for that, plus a copy of the gorgeous book, A Tree at UCC, written by the head of the department, J.P. Quinn. So get on the phone for both of those, the UCC Campus Tours, Cork Harbour Boat Hire, that's 10 passes in total. We've got a lot of phone calls to plough through, lads, on 0818-104-106. We'll pick up the conversation in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.